When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's Terrace Podcast is brought to you in association with JS Decorators. All your requirements catered for under one roof. Qualified tradesmen for all interior and exterior work. For more information, call J Sharp on 0131 466 Hello, good evening, welcome, salutations. It's the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast End of Season Awards. So roll out that red carpet, put the champagne in the ice bucket, and send up the prostitutes to my hotel room. Preferably a mother and daughter, and I'm just watching. At first... My name is Craig Telford and I'm tonight's Master of Ceremonies and joining me is loud and proud, it's Tony Anderson. Hello. He's silent and deadly, it's Craig Anderson. And it's a man so hairy he makes James Dayton look like Jade Goody, it's Craig Fowler. <laughs> Evening. <laughs> Topical <laughs> once again. And <laughs> Yeah, so this being 2007, 2008, that joke would have been hilarious. <laughs> Tonight, it's uh, our special end of season award show where we look back at the very best of the Scottish Premiership Awards. We've got nine awards up for grabs, looking at uh, from manager of the season to team of the season to our most important player. So it's going to be great football banter. So get yourself a big plate, some napkins, and sit down to this all-you-can-eat buffet of Scottish football. <laughs> Before we get into the meat of tonight's show, we want to take a look back at the events of the Easter Road Circus, where Hibernian were beaten 2-0 by Hamilton Academical. Uh, Hibs went on to lose the penalty shootout, so the Atties have won promotion to the Premiership, and Hibernian's 15-year sojourn in, in the Scottish top flight has been ended. Before we go on, I'd like to get the boring bit out of the way. Can we talk about Hamilton, first of all? Um, I mean, I'd like to start with you, Craig. What did you make of Hamilton's performance yesterday? I think... 
it, it, you spoke about after, like you, we mentioned this off air, that Tony Andreu kind of said that it, it kind of helped them. They, they felt that the fact that Hibs had to, there was a bit of pressure on Hibs that they had to kind of see this out. And they kind of played with that. I thought their first leg performance up until the goal was actually very good. I know people say Williams didn't have a save to make, but I thought that they just picked kind of the wrong option a few times or somebody took an extra touch when they shouldn't have done it. I thought the more they kind of settle into this game, the more it'll iron out. And I actually remember thinking, and it was actually in the build-up to Cummins' first goal, there's only one team going to win this tie. And then Cummins scored, and I was like, oh, well, maybe not. And I felt for that point on, it was a huge psychological blow to Hamilton because it looked nothing like the team that had started the game. I think they just they, that happened to them, and they couldn't deal with it. And then it got, gave them the chance to regroup. Neil obviously said something, right, now you've got nothing to lose. So you may as well go out, play your game. And that's exactly what they've done. And they, they, they played with a, they played exactly as, as you're kind of alluding to. They played with a team with freedom. And Hibs were the ones that were weighed down by the, the expectations on the day. And it, it was quite incredible, really. The entire, I didn't even watch the first 25 minutes because I was so certain the Hibs were going to win. I didn't really think there was going to be anything to talk about. We I didn't even envision us talking about it on this show. I thought it was just, a, oh, it's fine, it's the norm. Hibs are staying up. Hibs are the norm. Hibs have won a game. Sorry. <laughs> Craig, Craig, what was your making Aki's performance? Was there anyone for you that stood out in particular? Well, yeah, I thought I thought there, were, there was more than one player. I think across the two legs, I was really impressed with a player that I haven't heard much about, uh, Tena at the back for them. I just thought he was such a classy centre-back performance. And I, I, Probably within half an hour of watching that first leg, I thought, yeah, I'd definitely take Kim at Kelly. Um, very the, good in the ball, wasn't yeah, he? Very good at even just yeah, beating a, a man it's, and it's, moving I mean, on. I think if you want a centre-back pair and you want a kind of... A clogger, a guy who just blows the ball, you know, a Michael Nelson, Martin Cannon type, no. and then you want a, <laughs> if you put if you put a classy defender next to him, a plaster of the ball, someone who reads the game and steps out, and that's exactly what he did. And I thought he was superb. Andrew yesterday's game I thought was very good. Then um, the first leg, he, he, he was quite ineffectual. I thought he, he wasted the ball a lot. Uh, Scotland, yeah, uh, immense. Yesterday. I actually thought that in the first leg, I couldn't believe. I actually thought half time. It was time to bring on Jason Scotland because Hamilton looked dangerous in the first leg by getting kind of space around about Hibs. And Antoine Curry was very good at going and finding those kind of pockets even when Hibs were dropping back a little bit. But Hibs were still quite attacking in the first leg in terms of how far they were pushing up the park. They didn't really create much until Cummins' goal. But then after that, it allowed them to sit back. Hamilton really looked like doing nothing. And I couldn't believe it took until the last 50 minutes to introduce Jason Scotland. And especially when a man was such a huge, like, it's obviously, it came out in the papers beforehand, talked about Hibs' former players supposedly denying him the work chance permit. to the work permit with Dundee United. So he was really up for it, and I couldn't believe it took until 15 minutes in the return leg, and obviously he eventually made up for that in the in the yep. second leg. Well, it was quite amusing with Jason Scotland because it was on... Um, they done the, Hibs fans changed the Naddy song and brought Jason Scotland's name as I think it got to seven men couldn't carry him. <laughs> And then he managed to take the ball in and slot it past Williams. Actually, in terms of looking at Hamilton players, I was really impressed with Ziggy Gordon yeah, at, at left player. back. He's up and down there all day. He's safe on the ball. He doesn't. Make, he rarely made the wrong decision when I was walking away. There was points when he was not just pass the ball inside, keep it simple. And other times he was more than happy to beat a man. And he really stretched Hibs whenever he went forward. But it's really difficult for me to look at the Hamilton side because obviously being a Hibs scene ticket holder, a Hibs fan my whole life, I went to that game not as a Z-list pundit, but as a Hibs fan. Uh, it was impossible not to be because it was such a big moment for the club. You're at least D. 
<laughs> well, don't, don't worry, Tony. We'll, we'll come. We'll come and pick through your brains in a second and get and get your thoughts from his perspective. Providing that that Hamilton Academic can keep this group of players together, and you talk guys like Ziggy Gordon, in particular uh, Tony Andrew, two to the best players, to the championships best players this season. If they're able to to keep the, a hold of these players um, and and more or less the, the, the rump of that squad, what sort of impact do you think they could make in the top flight next season? I'll ask you, Craig. Well, I think they need to strengthen. Um, I, as much as I thought they were superb yesterday they, they played football very nicely I think they infuriated me quite a few times we picked in Gordon he, he looks a very good player he's all right foot and so he wasn't going down the outside and he wasn't getting crosses in on his left and I think you need an option like that I think you, you need to have a bit they need to add a bit more variety to their game but they're, they're going to ha- presumably actually they will have a little bit of money to spend what with the James MacArthur uh, McCarthy money that's presumably coming their way Stuff like that. If they strengthen in the right way, it's a it's not the strongest Premiership you've ever seen. They could do okay, but I think if if you were talking about putting that squad into the league, they would finish bottom. But we're not talking about that. So I still thought in terms of their performance, um, they were better than a lot of the teams that I've seen come through. And I've seen a lot of teams come through and win handsomely this season. But I thought they played with a lot of verve and creativity. I loved the way that they. They did a lot of one-twos around the edge of the box. And it was a really the, the right way to go against playing against a guy like Nelson is to keep the ball on the ground. It certainly helps when you've got a guy like Jason Scotland in the team. As, as we said off-air, um, he's pretty much immobile, Jason Scotland. He won't, he won't necessarily run the channels, chase lost balls for you. But if you play the ball into his feet, you're guaranteed almost to get it back off him yeah, because they had no answer to... And he pushes the defender back about 10 yards. You can pass to him from around, just around the centre circle. And he could back in so far that by the time he takes his first touch, he's almost at the edge of the box. And that isn't a long ball you've played. It's, an, it's a real credit to him that he's still going at this end. He has looked after himself. Yes, he does have a big arse, but he's certainly... <laughs> he certainly uses it fa- to the best of his does, ability. does, yeah. And he's certainly not fat. When you saw him topless at the end of the game, he's certainly not fat in the slightest. And uh, put it this way, I preferred him playing up front for hips yesterday. I, I think we have to be careful making the predictions of the next season on the basis of one game. Because Hamilton did look very good. But I've, I've said all year long that I didn't really think there was any proper standout team from the Championship. And I think both Hamilton and Dundee are going to struggle mightily next year. And if you look to the first leg in this game, Hibs didn't play particularly well. And probably never got out of second gear. Mm-hmm. And they were still able to record a 2-0 victory away from home. Which, I mean, they barely won a game in the entire second half of the season. So that tells you straight away that if Hamilton aren't on their game... You probably look at what Craig Anderson just said is that they would struggle and probably finish bottom of the league. I mean, I saw them a few. I've, 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 I've kind of followed the progress. Obviously, it came to the business end of the season, and I, I thought they were they're phenomenal against Morton when they beat them ten two. I saw the highlights for that, and I went to their match when they drew one one with Falkirk. Um, obviously, it's a, next next season a different. You don't know everyone's got the strength, and there's going to be a turnover of players. Will they be able to keep their best players? I'd probably on the basis of what I've seen. I think yes, they're very good, but I probably share your concerns about their ability to stay within the, the Premiership but staying within the Premiership is not a, something that's going to bother Hibernian next season because they have been relegated to the Scottish <laughs> Championship Tony, I've got a tin opener here I'm going to cut around your head and I'm we're going to, here, we're going to <laughs> dig out your thoughts Tony, the floor's yours Right, well, the start of the game, Right, Terry Butcher has been chopping and changing for an entire time and then we had the first leg and we got the 2-0 win and I just couldn't believe that there was a change, not just in the personnel, but in the formation once again. I, I couldn't understand why. And he paid Hamilton so much respect that he sacrificed Liam Craig, who has been rubbish. Let's not... Like, that's 
let's be fair, but he's still probably one of the more likely players to score mm-hmm. in the Hibs team. He sacrificed him because for some reason he was man-marking Tony Andrew for the first 25 minutes to half an hour of the game. I've not seen anyone get man-marked in years. Never mind a left attacking midfielder suddenly going into the... If you watch the first 25 minutes of the game, he spends large periods of it almost at centre-half, Liam Craig, and he just follows Andrew around the park. It isn't until about half an hour in that sort of Craig moves out to the left in one of umpteen formation changes during that game. It was incredible to watch. Like 4-3-3, 4-5-1. I think it went to 4-2-3-1 at one point, and then it went 4-4-2. It was just completely random, and it almost makes you feel that Teddy Butcher may have become senile since he came to Hibs. Now, after, after Jason... It's a curse. It is. It's that, that heart uh, it strip buried under the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, after, after Jason Scotland scored, um, what do you think that, 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 that he tried to do to, to recover the game? He put on a lot of defensive-minded substitutions. Do you think that was the right thing to have... Well, in hindsight, obviously not, but at the time, would you have he was, thought that he was, was the right playing, thing to He was playing for a 0-0 from the start, and then when it went 1-0, he played for a 1-0. And then when it hit extra time, there was no way of changing the game into to Hibs' favour. It was just hold on. Hibs, Hibs as the Premiership club, were the team that were holding on for penalties. Um, I honestly wouldn't have thought it would have been... It would have been completely deserved for Hamilton to win 3-0 over 90 minutes. They maybe didn't trouble Williams too often. But again, similar to what you were saying about the first leg, Craig, it was just that little wrong decision at the last moment. Nelson and McGivern. I mean, have you seen a worse performance for two guys at the back? They're horrible. They're absolutely it was, disgusting. It was, I think it, it made Hibs such an easy team to play against because all you had to do was apply a bit of pressure on the midfielders. The ball went back to the two of them and then they were just humping it up the park and it was going to a Hamilton player Especially every time. a guy like uh, Garcia Tenia who yeah. can use the ball and can take yeah. it out of defense. So the, the ball just comes straight him, back on If you swapped him and McGivern, then Hibs would have won that game. Yeah, and like McGivern, who I've always said I prefer him at centre-half, and the reason I prefer him at half is because his distribution is terrible, as you saw from the from the first goal. But when you've got a left back, you need his distribution to be good. This, especially in modern day football, that's one of the things you rely on is your full backs being able to take the ball out and pick out a pass. But McGivern's finished at, at Hibs now. There's no way that he can come back from such a poor season overall and then to top it all off an horrendous performance in the last game and then gifting him a goal. Nelson, although the second goal, if you look at it Hamilton's point of view, is an excellent goal. He just lets them run past them. Yeah. What was the what was the feeling like when the was was there a sense of inevitability or did you think there was there a, a sense, sense of inevitability disbelief? from the eleventh minute when Jason Scotland scored that goal? I said all before the game to my friends and walked talking to whoever scores first is won the tie almost and Hibs don't come back. I mean, the, you heard Terry Butcher talking after the first leg about how shocked everyone was. But that's another thing. Listen to Butcher there. I was like, that can't be inspiring confidence. And anyone saying they came in and nobody had a clue what they were doing. It sounds like a bunch of nine-year-olds. <laughs> but don't be fully grown men here. Or like professional footballers, guys like Michael Nelson, Liam Craig, they've played in this country for years, won things, and, uh, and scored double figures in seasons for other clubs. That just to see what's happened since Butcher came in, people thought it couldn't get any worse when Fenlon left. And it just... Unbelievable how bad it's actually got. It's unheard of. I've never seen a team capitulate from such an early part, January, from the game at New Year when Hibs beat Hearts. From then on in, it's car crash. That's one thing Butcher said that made sense. It's car crash. Their home record since eight eight defeats in 11 games since beating Hearts, which is... Even even talk about capitulations, even from... Wednesday was the first game. Yeah. But from Wednesday to Sunday, that's a, an incredible capitulation because, as we said, Hibs looked quite comfortable for a lot of the game. And there's so many things going for them as well. Even at 1 0, even like the, you can say there was a feeling of inevitability, but for me, I was watching it. Hamilton looked done. 
Hamilton looked completely spent and I couldn't see where they were going to create another chance That's let alone I, score a I'd goal I'd agree with that when it hit the around our mark I was I was, couldn't decide if um, Hamilton had uh, were just knackered and out on their feet or if they'd actually were just taking a moment to like to then, so the last 10 minutes they would like almost reload and mm-hmm. then go back at it for the last 10 minutes I couldn't decide and then obviously when it hit the last 5 they just started throwing everything at and they've got talent when it hits the, the last third and when you're going up against Nelson and McGivern, I, how many times did Nelson slice the ball when he tried? He's only got one job, Nelson. It's to clear his lines. And he couldn't do it. Now, some some that Craig pointed out there about their, their poor home record recently. There's a number of factors. Um, some that, that, and, and you yourself, Craig, pointed out there that, that Tony Andrews said that, that playing against the Bernian at home was actually in Hamilton's favour. How... What, what's the crowd like? What was the crowd like? Um, it was a full house for a playoff game. It's the third full house nearly this season, and Hibs have been absolutely horrendous. And anybody who tries to turn this on Hibs fans, they've got to realise the the slow nature of getting to here from the last. Some people would argue over ten years. It's not like, but call from it, Colin Calderwood is probably where a lot of people would say this really set in. And fans have been turning up, buying season tickets, eight and a half thousand, nine thousand season tickets every season. Uh, going to Scottish Cup finals, which sort of gave everyone a boost, but then when you go to that Cup final, it makes you feel like you got relegated after it. They, and they, to blame the fans for this, I just I find the whole mindset of it incredible. Yes, the fans might get on players back, but they didn't do it yesterday in the slightest. The fans were singing as much as they possibly could going through the game. But then when it hit the extra time, they're singing when Hamilton scored. Aye, yeah, exactly. But when it hit extra time. Fans were shiting themselves. They were just silent. The cringeworthy things that happened actually. It hit full time, and just as the teams are coming out, it was silent in the ground. So they've done one of those things where they play a recording of fans from a previous week coming out of the East Stand, and it was Ali Alio, and it must have been Ali Alio for Fur Park or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and they've done that and then they put 500 miles on like everyone's going to be hugging each other it's not going to happen people are, can't believe what they're seeing and that they're being totally outplayed not just beaten by them they were absolutely outplayed I'd like to go through some of the players and their comments after today James McPake or James Leader of Men McPake has suddenly spoken when I've not heard a word from the guy since uh, he got sent off against Hearts in the League Cup so since Butchers came in, the guy's been silent, and I know he had the captaincy taken away from him, but he's been injured. Why is he not doing all the media work and coming out and talking to fans and doing it, fronting up? You hear about it uh, all around the world when players, I can't remember who it was, uh, Jonathan Woodgate, when he went to Real Madrid, got injured. He was out for the entire year, but all he'd done for the entire time he was there was going to all the player bashes, all the awards things, go and visit fans in bars. That's being because he wanted to be there, he wanted to settle in. But James McPakes just went hiding and then all of a sudden he's released. And the only thing he came up with is it's not the player's fault. I, I think it's common knowledge that he's probably right. But shut your face. Nobody wants to hear that. Now, take some responsibility. You've done nothing for a year. <laughs> well, tell, tell us, we'll, we'll go to... When, after, the, after the penalties had gone in and, and, and the, the relegation was confirmed... Did, did you go out at, to, to, to protest afterwards? Did well, you popped, see anyone going out to protest? Down, I popped round to the West Stand. Did, did you throw a coin at Jimmy Borthwick? No, no, I didn't, throw, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't throw any coins or any lighters at the West Stand. I was more just wondering if Grant Stott was coming back down. I wanted to see, I wanted, I wanted to see, I wanted to see how he was going to come. Because actually they sent down after the Kilmarnock game, but nobody, I think, as far as I aware, came down to face the music. Petrie was just getting... Dogs abuse for outside. Uh, I'm does assuming does he have a dogs abuse? Oh, of course it is. I mean, there's no question of... He's, he's done brilliant for the business side of the Hibs, but try to take... He's so cheap 
Petrie that he tried to do about three jobs in one because he didn't want to pay someone else to do the parts of his job that he wasn't able to do. And that's just, that's Rod Petrie all over. And now it's like he's talking about a wind of change blowing through his Absolute bullshit. All he's doing is trying to take a step back so he can go and get a job with the league. He wants to get yeah. a high job there. So he's got Leanne Dempsey as a buffer so he can slowly but surely pull off. And now he's suddenly got some sort of morale or something. Like he's suddenly got a conscience saying, oh, it'd be wrong of me to walk away now. Just all this stuff coming out, like, you don't know what you're saying, well, mate. My, my, my favourite moment from the day in many favourite moments was, 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 was Rod <laughs> Petrie's slow tongue to, to whoever the guy was beside him it was just the way he did it it was like shot by like slow motion kind of like can you believe what's because <laughs> yeah. he knew it's all, it's all going to be about him it was all Butcher Butcher get to fuck well, after the game that's, that's, uh, that's and it kind of goes on to my next question now is Butcher the right man to stay in charge of the club we've already seen 14 players have been released there including Ben Williams Paul Kearney Tom Tewu, uh, David Gold, the former Queen's Park midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> so these are just off the top of my head, the guys. The guys I think he's the West Ham chairman. <laughs> but I mean, is, is, is Butcher the right man to take the club into the, the championship? my opinion and anyone else's opinion here is almost irrelevant because he's going to be there. They didn't pay, who knows how much of Pat Fenlon's budget uh, was cut because of the likelihood that they were probably thought they might end up sacking him through the season. Because they must have cost the sack to, for him to resign. Because they say he resigned. I imagine there was a more of a mutual agreement that went on there. But do you think Finlay coming out and saying that he planned to resign before the Harps game? Yeah, that was pretty well. That was pretty well doc- well known before he came out and spoke. Oh, was it? But as another one of those, um, he wanted to resign, but he asked them not to. But some people would argue at the time Hibs might have beat Hearts there because of the wave of optimism for the fans that would have came through. Yeah, but if McDonald doesn't make that wonder save for Scott Robertson. Yeah. Oh, the first 20 minutes, Hibs had got a, could have been about two, 3 or 4 now. Yeah, because Hibs could have been 2-0 up back then. But the thing is, is I, we, I said this a few weeks ago, and hindsight is brilliant. It's 2020, but Hibs wouldn't have got relegated with Fenland. He's far too pragmatic. He's far too safe that we'd never have done it. Terry Butcher just came in and he tried to change so much. So it's because he never thought there was any uh, chance. That, that's exactly the point. He didn't... He didn't see any way that Hibs were going down he thought well, well I mean, did anybody did we I mean, no, we, no, we, 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 we even laughed about it maybe in the middle of March really and we started saying oh, our Hibs going down and it was like hey, it's a bit of a joke and uh, it was, it's an unthinkable chain of events which no, I've never been it. so wrong in succession yeah. every yeah. single week I sat here even before penalties I tweeted I fancy Hibs <laughs> But two wins in 21 or 22 matches is um, relegation form in any league, any world, in any sport. So, I mean, there's, there's one thing you talk about Butcher there. I mean, imagine you, you're a player there and you're, you're, you've kind of been told the manager thinks you're shit with 15 games to go and you're, you're going to get punted at the end of the season. You're, there's no real motivation. There's no real motivation. And then he's going to come and suck up your arse about five weeks there because he's in a panic and he doesn't know what to do. And the guys that he thinks are good are suddenly, they're also pish. And Kevin Thompson, I'm going to need, Tom Tywell came back and scored a couple of goals I remember that after he'd been told that he wasn't going to be involved and it's just the succession of errors for Butch it's been an absolute comedy of what, errors what do you think about all these players getting because so many players have been released today but you kind of look at some of them and you think some of them would be good it's protect, the, I think it's protective I think it's Butcher trying to protect himself that if he blames even big names try and put all the blame onto the players because he knows he's going to be sticking around he does, he's trying to protect himself by I think guys like Liam Craig Ben Williams chap, another ben Williams. I, I think, well, I think, I think Williams has made it clear already. for a while that he's, he's not interested in signing a new deal yeah, I think he's one of the ones I think he's one of the ones the club haven't really released him that's what yeah, they're kind yeah. of spinning it I think he's, he's one of the very he's few left, he's left yeah. the club he's yeah. one of the guys that I think he's coming out alright and all this he seemed to have been quite a leader he spoke out to the media the, the silence Aye, that's, from, that's quite a bad thing as well the fact that for the last it's kind of been it's been a rumour for the last 
two or three months. And the fact that he's been released today probably means it's true that Williams has made it clear that he, he doesn't really want to sign a new deal. He wants to probably go back down south. But if you looked at the Hibs games, he was a player that looked like he cared more well, than most yeah. of these other guys who are still fighting for a job. I don't know if you saw before extra time when they were doing the team talk on the pitch and Hibs club captain Liam Craig was sitting down with his back to the rest of the team, including Butcher. And that's club captain who you're expecting. Firstly, when you come to these moments, you shouldn't ever sit down in any sport. No. You never see a boxer. If it gets later rounds, they're kept on their feet to keep in. It's the same in football. Don't sit down. He just sat down with his back to Butcher. And I think... It's all been quite mutual. He didn't like some people. They didn't like, but he backed Craig massively. He's given him a massive responsibility, club captain, playing him loads of different positions. I said to you, Craig, weeks ago that I felt that he wanted to turn him into his Richie Foran, that he wanted to play that deeper role and play those sort of pinging passes into the flanks for the Hibs to move up in the direct fashion that he wants to. But, and then yesterday, he's looking at him to do a man-marking job on someone. So he obviously thinks a lot of Liam Craig, and now he's binned him. And that's where it makes me think, that's the protector, he's trying to protect himself. I also think it may be, it may be a sign of just how many Hibs players dislike uh, Butcher and just don't listen to him. Well, I think there's, there's an issue with mentality with the players at the club as well. Not, I, don't, I don't think it was a lack of effort, I don't think they weren't trying, but I think their attitudes aren't right in terms of maybe bettering themselves in terms of training. It sounds like there's a lot of... So I think clearing out a whole wing of players, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I, I would be looking to almost clear out everybody over the age of 21 <laughs> um, and, and give Butcher the chance to build a squad because he's went down, he's made an arse of it, absolutely, but that's Pat Fenland's squad basically and Pat Fenland's unbalanced <laughs> He's squad. made Pat Fenland look like such a good man. I know, <laughs> <laughs> What does what does Terry Butcher need to do? What are the kind of players he needs to bring in to get them? At, well, I mean, the championship next season is going to be fantastic. I mean, already we've got Hart, Hart and Midlothian are going to be there. Rangers are going to be there. Falkirk, you yeah. know, nobody's talking about Falkirk. Cowden Beef, hello, you know. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> so Wraith Rovers. Yeah, so it's going to be fantastic. I mean, conceivably, one of these three teams is going to be down, is going to have to spend two years down there. What does Terry Butcher need to do to make sure it's not Hibs? Just before I answer that, the strange thing about everyone wants Butcher out, and I totally understand that, and I kind of agree with them, because, I mean, how much of an arse or something do you have to make till someone goes, maybe better you should leave, mate. But, <laughs> I'm going to take that toy off, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I almost feel if you're going to have a complete revamp of a squad going into a lower league, Butcher might be the man to do it. How used is he doing it? He'd done it for years at Inverness. It was Completely 10 out, it, yeah. 10 in, 10 out, 10 in. So maybe, strangely enough, he might be the best man for it. I'm not putting my neck on the line there by any stretch of imagination saying that. How long would you give him? If it, uh, say, say, so this, say come, this week's the same as Pat Fenlon last season. It's a lots, large amounts of sport didn't rate him, didn't want him there, but he was given time. But the second it started to go wrong... There's no margin for error now, so I mean, I'm just put it out there. Recreation Park, first game of the season, Alloa Hibs, and it's nil nil, or one nil to Alloa. Hibs haven't scored another game; they've not scored because the media are just going to bring the stats are going to carry over into the new season. That's what that's what we do. Is what makes it fun. Uh, they'll carry the stats over next season. So they'll be like, oh, and then suddenly it's first couple of games, no goals. Or it's five goals in about fifty games under Butcher, <laughs> and, all the, and, and, and all this, and all this sorts of nonsense. That comes out. So that's what I mean. There's no margin for it, and that's the problem here. It's like part of me thinks, is it no better cut your losses now and just everyone go their separate ways, rebuild it totally? Because if he doesn't get off to a cracking start next season, everyone's on their back, and that keeps Easter Road a really hostile place for the for the players. And it, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to do that bad a job next year for for to be pressure. Because if they're if Hibs are sitting third in December, that's fair enough. But say they're five points behind Hearts and maybe. 
10 points yeah. behind Rangers. Fans will not be happy about that, but that's not even necessarily that bad. And, it's not, and like for Rangers and Hearts, let's be brutally honest here, they don't want Hibs to come down. Really, I know the fans will be enjoying it now, but when you start off, it's the summer months now. Hibs and Hearts will be vying for similar players. Um, Rangers will be going for some of these players as long as they've got money and are still a team or whatever's happening with them. Uh, so I just don't know what, but what Hibs need is if he wants to play direct football, as I've, I've never been a snob about a way of playing football, it's all about pragmatism, what have you got? He wasn't willing to look at the squad that he had and say they weren't able to do that, and that's his problem. Uh, but he, if he's so hell-bent on playing that type of football, then, well, he knows where to get them. I, I imagine, the rumours are that Hibs have already signed six to ten players already, and I imagine they are similar to Inverness, no, nobody's, anybody's heard of. I don't, the reason they would have been able to sign them first is that it's almost irrelevant what league Hibs are in for these guys to, to play for Hibs because they're so unknown and they'll just be delighted to be playing in that league making a decent wage each week. But if he wants to do that, he needs to sign... He'll need wide players who can cross the ball in the box because that's what he wants. And he needs on. a midfielder who can play as a quarterback and spray balls in behind fullbacks and get them turning. That's how he wants to play. Going on the success rate of what they've done at Inverness, they will probably have to sign about 20 players this summer because they pick, pick up a lot of gambles. That's what he used to do at Inverness. I mean, you look at this year, I think it was 11 players that arrived in the summer. And I think I'm right in saying Vincent and Tremarco and Brill were the only ones that played any kind of sort of regular game time. And that's 3 out of 11. And that's just the way they do it. So it's got to be. I mean, you've got to be looking upwards of 20 players maybe arriving at Easter Road at some point. A lot of them may not even last to the end of the summer. That's another thing I'm not going to enjoy, is that Hibs are just going to be all over the papers for the entire summer. Guys leaving, guys coming in, and then it'll be hostile because all over your fans' forums and that, I've not heard of this prick, I've not heard of this guy, who does he play for? He never scored a goal for five games. Like, you know what I mean? That'll just go on like that, all of it, and then I just feel that we'll hit the new season, and normally the new season's such a wonderful thing because it's filled with optimism and sunshine and we're all sitting in the grounds and everyone's delighted and we're all looking forward to what's going to happen. But I've got a feeling it's already going to be so negative going into the season. And again, people say, well, the Hibs fans should be like that. But it's a product of what they've been through. I mean, you can't blame these people for feeling this way. They've had hundreds and thousands of pounds over every year and go to all these games and all they get is a punch in the face at the end of it. And total, right, the same I can't wait for next season. Uh, Craig, you're a, you're a Hearts fan. Are they going to be charging £28 for a Category A game in the Championship <laughs> for a derby? Because I, I bet they are. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I'd be surprised if they won't. And, it'll be, and I'm just wondering, well, because it's... What's horrible about the whole thing is that Hibs and Hearts have both went down in such different ways. Hibs' way is all football-related. It's all mismanagement, signing of bad players, poor tactics, all things that piss you off as a football fan. Whereas Hearts of um, financial mismanagement... Having a laugh, just getting, <laughs> just, just getting guys in randomly, like spending Fo- loads of football, money. Football hedonism. Yeah, yeah, and doing all that, which was entertaining for people in all different ways, but Hartsley's won some stuff. Now going into this, it's so unfair. Is it, Hearts are probably on a better footing than him going into this now because Hearts have had a year to get there, knowing they're going to go down. They had all their pain at the start of the season when they got the points deduction, and they probably a lot of the fans thought, right, we're going down. They've had time to come to terms with that. They've got a new owner in, which Hibs don't. They've got a new owner in, so who's got a plan, and they've changed everything, and they're all going in optimistic and happy, so the Hearts fans will all want to go. Hibs fans won't want to go, and that's because of the difference in the way that they've been relegated, and it just, it's a bitter pill to swallow when you're the guys who've played by the rules and done everything in the right way and tried to do things right, but the problem is, you're shit. There we go, Hibernian, the worst team in the Scottish Premiership this season. <laughs>
噔噔噔噔噔噔噔噔噔噔噔 ！It's a terrace award, end of the season show. That's right. We've、uh, talked about all the negative stuff with the with the Hibs. Sorry, Tony. It was a nice experience to actually get all out there. Yeah, it was nice to listen to it for you. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, we're, we're moving on to something a bit happier. We're going to be looking at、uh, the awards where we take at、uh, nine aspects of the season and、uh, and grade them and, and basically talk about them. They're in no discernible order. I'm just going to go by the list that Craig Fowler emailed over to me、uh, last week. So we're going to start with best signing,、uh, and as it says in the tin, who's been the best signing this season? And the four players that are on the short list are Ian Vigers of Motherwell, Virgil Van Dijk of Celtic. Nadia Chifchi of Dundee United and his teammate Andy Robertson also of Dundee United. We'll start with you, Craig Fowler. Who would you pick as your signing of the season and why? I'm the. I think Vigers. I think I'm. Everybody will probably agree with this. Out of the four, Vigers the one's going to have the least chance of winning this award. But I think out of those other three, you can make a very strong case for why they're the best signing. Celtic are going to make a lot of money off of Van Dijk, and not only that, he's been absolutely outstanding this season. A real class apart. Chifchi,、uh, I mean, we've talked so many times on the show. Again, United are probably going to make money on him as well. He's been such a huge part of that team. But it, it, it comes to kind of—it's just the fact that Andy Robertson came from. He's just—he's not only signed the season; he is the, the find of the season or any season find of the decade for、yeah. that matter. For the last. I wouldn't necessarily say find. He was very highly thought of when he was at Queens Park. Yes, it, so so are a lot of players. So is、uh, Lauren Shankland and Aidan Connolly, and so was my mate. Seen them this season because that's what's expected to happen when you make that step up and you're a young player. You're not expected to play much. You're supposed to be like Connolly, and you're supposed to get these token gesture appearances at the end of games. You're not supposed to come in, beat beat an established SBL player in、um, pre-season. As he did with Graham Carey, win the job, keep it all season, and get a Scotland cap before the end of the campaign. It's an incredible story. Still won't use the word find.、Um, <laughs> but, but,、um, so you would go for Andy Robertson yeah, for your Robertson sign of the season,、uh, Craig Anderson. I can't disagree with anything he said about Robertson, but I, I would actually go for Van Dijk over him purely on the basis. Well, I mean, they're both bargains.、Um, obviously, Robertson, I didn't pay any money for him, but、uh, typical, to, uh, typical relatively speaking, to get、yeah. a centre back of the calibre of Van Dijk, who clearly is for what was two million quid,、yeah. is ridiculous. That guy, that guy, will probably go for close to as much as Wanyama did, which is about fifteen million. And that's to put it in the context. I think they paid only about five hundred thousand pounds more for、uh, Van Dijk than they did for Amido Baldi. So. Well, yeah, that's my I mean, God. I think they paid more for Puki, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean that—that's the only the only issue you would pick with Celtic. Is it just a, a lucky one? As in, if you sign if you sign ten players, then maybe one of them's going to be good. So、like、the Teddy Butcher,、uh, the Teddy Butcher. Yeah, I think I think just when they, I don't. I, he's still he's still a rough diamond. There's still issues with his game, but for the guy, just the way he comes out from defence with the ball is ridiculous.、Yeah. He's an attacking force as well as a defensive one. He will. He might be at Celtic next season. I would be astonished if he'll be. He was able to be beyond this season. Although I would have said that about maybe Kyle. Like his year, he's a giri. It is possible that he'll drop off, but he looks just so much better than those guys were. You think it'd be good for a sort of team, say down in England, a team on the continent to kind of strike the、yeah. iron hot and, and yeah, I think so.、There. I would be looking to get him now because I think his value, assuming he goes on to play again in the Champions League group stage, which he should, his value will soar. How, so, good, how good a player can he be? What do you think his, his level is? Hard to say. He's very young、um, for a centre back, especially. What is he? Twenty one, twenty two years old. So he could go anywhere. I mean, 
you look at David Louise, for example, he's, there's similarities there with his game. Um, is it maybe physically he's not as imposing, but why not? Can I mean, you see Van Dijk moving into midfield then. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's clearly got the ability to play in that position. I think he would be, in a good team, you would want him at centre-back because he, he you want to start the play from the back and that's what he'll do. But if you're if you, if he's going to if he was going to a Chelsea, then yeah, you would play him in midfield because he wants his defenders to defend. But for me, he's a he's a classy centre back. We were talking about Tenor. He's like the much better equivalent <laughs> of that of a guy who plays out from the back. Full fat Tenor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yourself, Tony. Who would you pick from the list? Well, the, the best thing about the list though this time is it's all even though there's two defenders in there, it's all sort of attacking players, exciting players that we've all really enjoyed watching. Uh, I really take your point on Robertson, Craig, but I'm going to leave Robertson out here. Uh, that suggests he may pop up later on in the discussion. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, it is, but it's the only way that I can put across why I don't really want to pick him. I really want to pick, pick Shifty because he's so entertaining in so many different ways. Uh, he's another one similar to Van Dyke who just came in and he's been that class apart that you were talking about earlier, Craig. And I've just loved watching him. I love the passion that he's got. I love how much he's bought into playing for Dundee United. This is a guy who's sort of bobbled about quite a few clubs in this really early part of his career. But he seems to have really found his feet in Scotland and I love it when I see a foreign player come over here and, and really enjoy living here and they really immerse themselves in everything to do with Scotland and the football. But I'm going to agree and go with Van Dijk just for the fact that if you see his performance, I don't think when Celtic hit the group stages, I wasn't overly impressed with them, apart from in the first two games when they went to the San Siro and we sat here. And I waxed lyrical about Celtic that night, even though they got beat to, I thought they were fantastic. And I really thought that was them sort of growing into a European force, a team that would be really comfortable, maybe not qualify at the time, but always pick up many points. But Van Dijk never let them down in the Champions League and his classiness and his ability still showed in that competition. Until the home game against Milan. Until the home game against <laughs> Milan. I think everyone capitulated yeah. that night. It was sort of like... And, and, and he's still such a young guy. And he's had... Uh, Robertson's a meteoric rise coming from Queen's Park up into Dundee United. But he's came for gone again and nobody else was interested in him at the time and Celtic to the punt him. And he's looked absolutely at home in the Champions League. And... That's almost a similar bottom level of the visa team going to the Champions League. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like people are going to listen to this and think, you know, some people are not going to like this. Roll their eyes and think, oh, giving it to Celtic. It's a bit easier for them. They have the money kind of thing. But the, re- the way that Celtic deal in the transfer market when they're going after all these gambles, because that's what all these guys really are. Because Celtic are trying to compete. What other clubs do is try and pick up somebody for free and then hope he'll turn into a player who's worth a million so, quid. Yeah, a million quid. Celtic are doing exactly the same, but on a different scale. Celtic are trying to pick somebody up for two million, hope he's worth ten million. It's so you can probably Benfica and Porto do it. So that's yeah. the model they're yeah. following, basically. So they're trying to compete. They're trying to compete in the Champions League, and them trying to compete in the Champions League is the same as Ross County trying to compete in the Scottish Premiership. Similar. It's all their relative. Bud- yeah, it's all right. Their budget's still so much smaller, and Van Dijk as well. He's just been brilliant to watch, and I'm a sucker for a sort of Beckenbauer esque type player who loves bringing the ball up for the back he can hit a he can hit a free kick he's just he's so glad I love that with Celtic they've got about a billion people who can take a free kick well, and he's, he's got four goals this season yeah, as well and uh, no wait he's got some more he's got like five or six and a lot of them are just shots ah, yeah, I thought two of them have been headers, headers yeah and I just I, he entertains me a lot Van Dyke, and I, I agree the reason the design of these awards is all about trying to take it away from the easy lazy journalism of he's the best he plays up front for Celtic he scored 30 goals he's the best manager because he won the league 
obviously that doesn't really work, but Van Dyke's been exceptional. I'm, I'm happy with him yep. receiving the So, award. congratulations to Virgil Van Dyke. You are the Terrace Podcast signing of the season. That's his and moment of the season, I'll tell and, you that. And to anyone who thinks we're just being lazy, grow up. <laughs> Move on to our next award. It's the Mr. Versatile or the Marco Del Vecchio Championship Manager 2000-2001 award. <laughs> this is for the best utility player and to qualify the award you must have played in at least three different positions for a discernible period of time. The short list is we will start with Graham Shinney of Inverness Caledonian Thistle, Callum Patterson of Hearts, Lewis Stevenson of Hibernian. <laughs> And Charlie Mulgrew of Celtic. We'll start with Tony Anderson first. Tony, who would, um, from the shortlist, talk us through it? Um, well, obviously the best player on that list by quite a distance is Charlie Mulgrew. Well, I thought you were going to say Louis Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, wait, let's talk about Stevenson. Yeah, so go on. Start go on Stevenson. Stevenson. I like Stevenson. Uh, I think he's a victim almost of his own success. And he's a victim of his lack of success. I like, he's, he's a real enigma, I think, for a lot of people to try and work out. Is, is it because... Hibs are so bad that he still keeps his role and under every manager despite having obvious limitations to his game. But at the same but at the same time, is it because all these managers always pick him, always want him in and around the team, and he doesn't let Hibs down, but that would certainly not make me think he's the best. I'm going to pick... Uh, oh, oh God. I'm going to have to pick uh, Charlie Mulgrew essentially because he's the best, but I really want to pick Graham Shinney. Uh, I've loved watching him this year. When he came to Easter Road and he was playing it right back, where obviously he's normally played it left back, it was one of the best individual performances I saw by anyone at Easter Road this season. And trust me, the opposition had a few good ones uh, over the year. And Graham Shinney's ability when he went to the middle of the park, I likened him to Phil Neville uh, earlier in the season. And his ability, when the minute he went in the middle of the park, it's like he'd been there for years. It was, wasn't like it was any sort of issue. And he's such a wonderful player, Shinny, and I would have loved it if Hibs were able to stay up and they might be able to do something with getting him in because he's a cracking player. But fact of the matter is, Charlie Mulgrew is the best on that list. And not just, uh, he's the best in each of the positions he plays than any of the MR, even in their home position. And so, well, I think Shinny, you could argue, maybe, of stronger left-back on the basis of that last season. And sorry, it's not. Mulgrew's past in terms of Aberdeen and stuff. Because I, I, like, I much prefer Mulgrew in a kind of central... Position. Yeah, that's where I'm feeling, but still, I think if you were to go to, I don't know, Arsene Wenger and go, somehow, something's happened, and you can only have two left-backs, and they are <laughs> Charlie Mulgrew and Graham Shinney of uh, Inverness, <laughs> uh, Caledonian Bissell. They both get an improvement on Monreal. <laughs> 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 and if you see it in that voice, <laughs> I think you're going to pick up his mind for <laughs> I think that uh, almost you can make that sound of anything you want Charlie Mulgrew or Roberto <laughs> Carlos the tone of voice will always give it away Bingo's like he can't be good <laughs> dealers pundit Tony Anderson has uh, said in a strange tone of voice asking me about Graham Shinney of Inverness where is Inverness <laughs> so, so uh, Craig are you going to be lazy and follow Tony and just pick the best I'm, player I'm, uh, well, if I, if I mention something that hasn't been mentioned which is Callum Patterson um I'm not going to pick him because he's, he was quite terrible as a striker. He's an excellent right-back, but he's a right-back who has played out of position um, just because he didn't have a striker. Yeah. So I don't want to pick him. Yeah, I want to mention Jackson Irvine because he played loads of positions for Killer this season. I really disliked him to begin with. I, I actually listened back to an earlier show, and if I quote, I hate Jackson Irvine. I think he's shit. <laughs> and if he plays for Kilmarnock again, I'm going to... Let's see... Eat my season ticket with beef. 
Do you want to say anything? Well, I don't have a season ticket, Craig, so you've uh, you've made a bit of a howl there, haven't you? I've typed that down wrong, actually, <laughs> sorry. Hey, no, but, but Jack uh, Sully's... Uh, he's not a final DVD. <laughs> <laughs> a, real, a real rags to riches story for Jack Sully. Well, he's just won me over with his, his kind of effort in the, the later games, and I, I think I've come to appreciate what he does offer. The, the main problem he had at the start of the season is he was a player in a very bad team, and he's... He, Having seen, having seen enough of them now, I'd say he's not a player who's going to look good in a bad team. But if he was playing in a, a good team, the way he is, the way he plays, he would break up play, he would win the ball back, because that's his main skill, is, is breaking up play, being a physical presence. And if, if you've got a good footballing team, if I think of Mixu Patalainen's Kelly team, in I that, could, in I that could that put case, him into that team. In that case, he is a Celtic player. Could he play that role in the, as a part of the narrow midfield diamond the, where you have he, these guys he, like Brown and Johansson doing could, all that work? He could play the role, but frankly, he's not a good enough footballer for Celtic. But for, for a team of Kelly's stature, he, I, I would be quite happy to see him back now. But that that's irrelevant. He's not on the list. Um, Patterson, I've ruled out. I, I agree with almost everything Tony said about both Mulgrew and Shinny, but I'm going to vote for Shinny. Feel on, on the basis that I think his versatility has been more valuable to his team as well this season. Inverness have had spells where they've not had anybody fit to play right back, and Shinny's went over and played right back and looked like one of the best right backs in the league, yeah. which is ridiculous when you think. And he's played in central midfield and he's been very good in there. And I compared him to Mulgrew actually in terms of the kind of transformation. Yeah, I remember I actually said that. Um, you got any quotes for that one? Not that because it's positive. Uh, no, I was, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to fabricate real quotes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but the, uh, yeah, I, I'm going for Shinny because I think Inverness would be lost. Well, they wouldn't be lost. That's a ridiculous thing to say, Craig. More disadvantaged. It would, it would, it would, it would, if Charlie didn't exist, Celtic wouldn't have a problem because they've got hundreds of players, even going down to youth players. Inverness didn't have. When David Raven was out, who the hell are they going to play at right back? They've got real problems in it. He's much more valuable. As his versatility has been so much more important to his team. So for that reason, I'll opt for Shinny. If Charles McGrew didn't didn't exist, his kids would be no worse off. Craig <laughs> uh, Fowler, let's, uh, let's hear it from you. <laughs> so that was a joke about the time you left him in the car, by the way. Yeah, That's another, another outdated one. Yeah, the full of them, full of them, honestly. It's like 2006 all over here. Anyway, uh, Craig, talk us through your choice. I'm going to... As much as I want to go for Graham Shinney, I'm going to go for Charlie Mulgrew, just kind of for the reasons said before. And I kind of felt that, although he's played it in the past, I thought he really kind of stood out this season in terms of his playmaking ability in the the deep lion role, the guy who sits in front of the back four. He he had done it before, but not to this kind of level. And although he's not featured as much as maybe the opposition as he has in the past, he's still done a good job there doing it in Europe and in the league. And yeah, I just as much as I really did want to go for Shinny because he turned, he turned exactly, on, totally he was, with you here. Before this season, he was he was considered like an average, maybe above average, Dependable. push yeah, left back. Uh, they weren't even sure about him full time there because of the fact that his his defensive skills weren't that good. He's came on so much in that regard, also playing then it managed to do it right back and in the centre of the park where I know that. Um, Laurie Spence thinks that's maybe where Hughes will use him full-time next season once they get a better left-back in, uh, in in terms of to be his replacement other than uh, Carl Tremarco, who's pretty poor. He is poor. And, but Mulgrew, like you say, you just have, have to go for the best player. And how in, good in he's Harvard. become in Scotland as well, in the international stage. And Scotland have a wealth of uh, midfield players, uh, central midfield players, one place that were, were very strong, and he's managed to make that position his own. Which he's, he's, 
Completely. It Charlie has, Adams has. out of the picture because of the fact that Mavel Grew Charlie Adams doesn't even have a poor season, if no. we're being honest. Uh, it's Stoke this year. He's still playing at a very high level. But yeah, and mulgrew has got it. Uh, and I can see him keeping it for like, certainly the rest of this, the next campaign. And also, when uh, Mulgrew, I think he only played it in a few games, when he played on the left in midfield, he actually chipped in with a couple of goals as well. So it shows you. He's, he's playing. That's the thing as well. All these guys, he's played four positions this season and done them all well. Yeah. So well done to Charlie Mulgrew, who's uh, Terrace's is Mr. Versatile. And again, well, this is going to be like the deal. Record awards. I'm hitting it already. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, pick Lee, we'll pick Lee Wallace for the next award. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's uh, we're going on to a category where Celtic can't win an award, so um, we're moving away from our pro Celtic bias here. This is a diamond in the rough. This is the Andy Dorman Award, um, where if uh, you pick a best player from a team in the bottom six. The four on the shortlist, we've got Jim McDonald, the goalkeeper of Heart Midlothian, Callum Higginbotham from Partick Thistle, John McGinn of St Mirren, and Chris Boyd of Kilmarnock. And probably this is actually the most interesting because it was actually, for, for me, certainly as an outsider, there, there's two players I'd, I'd find it tough to split. Yeah, we'll really go to yourself, Craig. Um, uh, who would who who do you uh, fancy? You're, you're probably uh, you're probably asking me a silly question because <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to pick Chris Boyd yeah. here. Um, quite quite simply. Without Chris Boyd this season, I would be very surprised if uh, if I wasn't the one sitting, at the very least, making the rant that Tony was making about Hibs. I imagine that would be the position Kelly would have been in, if not mm-hmm. even somehow finishing below Hearts. Um, <laughs> Boyd, Boyd, just uh, I wasn't even that happy. I wouldn't say I was unhappy, but I wasn't convinced when we signed him last March and he came in because that was a. Uh, that that kind of thing about him about he's being lazy and not bringing anything to the team and if he's he, not scoring yeah, he's, he's not, not doing anything but, but when he's, he's come in he's, he's become the leader on the park for Kelly he's, he's become the sort of the, the man I think the players looked up to him more than Alan Johnston as well if I'm quite frank I think he was the one who was running the show almost at the end of the season and his effort on the park worked great and then the goal he's got 22 goals for third worst team in the league let's call it okay, we how, how many was that in relation to your, your total for the season uh, it was, I, I've written that down for something later on 49% of Kelly's league goals were scored by Chris Boyd so it's completely similar to yeah, the league I think, I think, uh, I think and he didn't take many he, only yeah, he, took, did, one he took one penalty and he missed it is that the only penalty Kelly yeah the only penalty we got <laughs> Uh, it's incredible. So yeah, so he scored. He scored all those goals, and yeah, I think the next highest scorer was Rory McKenzie with four. Now there is always an issue. I think there's a thing where a player can become like a striker can become like a vortex. Where if you have this one good striker, he actually sucks all the goals out of the other players because it bec- they become so reliant on him. And sometimes actually you can take that player out, put in a, a less gifted striker. And not end up any worse off overall, but I don't think that's the case with Kelly this season. I think he's uh, he's kept the players are, are good enough, but the, t- the style of play that we played wouldn't have got any results with any other striker. There's, there's talk, there's, there's a lot of talk of him uh, going back to Rangers uh, over the summer. How how difficult would it be for Kilmarnock to replace somebody like Boyd? Um, it, well, it's obviously very difficult. I think it could be done because, as I say, I think the players that are there don't send James Collins. No, I, well, I would be, I would be, <laughs> I wouldn't be too upset to get Heffernan back. Better seen with John Collins up for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's some top banter there. Um, so I was been reading the Pine Bovril Twitter account. Earlier, <laughs> I should have got that one from. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes our relationship with them <laughs> sorry Div, if you're listening your banter's on fire by the way ok we'll go over to Craig Fowler or from our shortlist who would you choose I'm going to have to this is going to take the sting out of it probably because I'm going to have to agree with Craig although I'll just go I'll go through the other guys first of all 
Um, Jamie McDonald, he's probably not on the running for this, but he's, I think everyone knows he's had an absolutely excellent season. In terms of looking at the goalkeepers and saying, just picking them not in terms of their ability overall or what we think of them, because we've done that in the best 12 list, but just in terms of the season they've had, I think it'd have to be between Foster and McDonald for the number one spot. That's how good he's been. And it's just, it's, he was the one player out of the entire Hearts kind of setup who was over the age of 12, um, who could kind of look back myth, and... Myth, myth alert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, over the age of 19. <laughs> <laughs> who could look back over the season and uh, not and feel that he'd done absolutely everything that he could to help the team. I know that guys like... Uh, Jamie Hamill and Ryan Stevenson may not have that much humility to do the same, but you know they shouldn't. Um, and yeah, look at the other guys. Calm Higginbottom, his second half of the season on, ab- on ability, he would win this. He's yeah, second half incredible. of the season, Higginbottom was outstanding. First half, he was a kid. He, he was a player would kind of expect them to be flashes of brilliance, but games where he, he sometimes you're carrying them. Yeah, almost. games where he'd be completely maddening. He's just like, what are you doing? I mean. Do the simple things, do, but it just they all seem to click in the second half of the year. It seemed to click actually, although I said that was very harsh on Chris Doolan. Once they got Lyle Taylor in, I thought for whatever reason, make Higginbottom a better player. I don't know if it was just because they, they seemed quite pally off the park or whatever, but he was he's outstanding. I, I remember writing that when he attempted that half the shot for the halfway line against Aberdeen that hit the bar, it was like he's one of the few players in the league, maybe the only player in the league I think has the actual ability to do it. Commons could do that. That was pre pre Eremenko yeah. coming and he tried it on numerous occasions. <laughs> <laughs> the first time he was I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, There's yeah. only a clutch yeah, handful it, of guys. It's not. It's, it. it's, 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 there's so many skills involved. You have to actually be able to kick it that far, which is beyond a lot of players to have the vision to do it and actually have the balls to do it, yeah. which is the main thing, I think. And what about what about John McGinn from St. Mirren? What's what, what if you're making his case? Well, it's, 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 for, it's, for me, it's between him and Boyd, and I think that's what you maybe alluded to earlier on. Am I right? That was actually thinking Jamie McDonald myself actually. Were you? Yeah. I think he's been fantastic this season and I think I completely agree with what you said there in terms of his effort I really don't think he could have done anything else to, to try and keep Hearts in the, in the division I thought some of his saves just command of his area kind of everything you'd want from your goalkeeper there and I, I was surprised obviously there might be more to it kind of going behind the scenes but I was, I was really really surprised to see him leave the club I thought they'd have been a, he'd have been a guy who they'd wanted to take uh, wanted yeah, to keep was, for next season because you get a good goalkeeper yeah. you don't, you, you've don't. you got a really a, a top goalkeeper somebody who's played at that level before I think he was in at Queen of the South early in his career somebody who's played at that level before done it to a really good standard uh, that's a there's only lucky to not being the most improved player yeah, on the board in this list that we're going to have there's only he's improved that much there's only two uh, two reasons I can justifiably think of why JB would go and in terms of uh, behind the scenes stuff it's I think it would be perceived behind the scenes stuff going forward because Jamie McDonald is, is very well known as a, as a guy that a lot of people like he's, he's a nice guy basically he gets on well with his teammates and stuff he's not somebody you think of as a, as a quote unquote cancer in the dressing room but I think if they wondered if they when they came in and they overhauled everything, they got rid of Locke kind of so callously. I think they maybe looked at all these kind of first team guys, the the older players, the guys who will have a bit of um, respect to the rest of the young boys, and thought right, we'll get rid of them as well because they were so behind Locke. And I knew that I know that the old the older players were behind Locke, so I don't know if that's got something to do with it. And the only other thing I can think of was money. I don't know what Jamie McDonald was on, but if it was more than they thought, that, justifiable for a goalkeeper in the second team. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But what about John McGinn though? Sorry. John McGinn yeah. is, in terms of not giving it to him, because he was the other person I considered for getting it, but I vote, vote for Boyd 
can't really add much more than Craig said. The reason why I haven't picked McGinnis is just on this season. I think when we, we, how much we love McGinn, it's a lot to do with how good we can think he can become as well. And that's undeniable, but he's obviously had a great year. It's just I don't think he's been as good as Boyd, but in terms of going forward, I mean, great pass to the ball, great touch, gets up and down the park. Tenacious. Tenacious. Yeah. Um, even, even this year, he's, he's bulked himself up a little, so he's not quite the wee lad that he was last year, getting pushed off the ball. He's a, he's a top talent. If only you manager used him through the centre so maybe that's maybe Tommy Craig maybe that's how he got the job would, why would you get the job Tommy <laughs> uh, I'll play John McGinn in his actual position you're hired what about the, the talk of a mess and uh, beg your pardon Sheffield United had a derisory uh, old what was it was a hundred less than they paid for less than they paid for Mark McNulty from Livingston no disrespect the guy's a very good player he's older and he's he's a I've seen, I've seen both players. John McGinn's a bit. I mean, I've seen both players. Mark McMillan's worth, what was it, 250,000? 150, I think. 150, right. In that case, I'd say John McGinn's worth about 700,000. Well, I think I think he would be playing beneath himself in League One in England. Yes, so there. Yeah, well, well, Tony, if you want to, can you give a sure one just to tidy up? It's, it looks like it's going to go to uh, well, Boyd. I can't, I can't change it because he's well, no, he's got he can change one of our minds if you make a good enough point. It's not I, can't, I can't really because Chris Boyd... Uh, over the years in this country especially has just been a phenomenon in terms of goals and his improvement in his all round game I mean we've went on about this week to week There's, I can struggle to add anything to what we've already said about Chris Boyd and in reality similar to the Virgil van Dijk and the Mulgrew ones is he is the best player in the bottom six he's the most player that any other club in the top six if they were going pick someone from the, all those bottom six teams you can have they're going to pick Boyd I probably would have voted for Higginbottom because I think Boyd might be challenging high up in another uh, one of these awards later on. Because Higginbottom's just... You can have more than one, there's can, no... Yeah, yeah, but he's just such a he's such a he's um, he's such an entertaining player. Someone that you, you can genuinely go and pay to watch. And his improvement's been massive since he was at Motherwell last year. I remember he scored that incredible scissor kick against, against Hibs at Fur Park. And it was great, and it just showed that little bit of ability. But again, like you were saying earlier, Craig, it was just about... Every time I just say Craig, who knows who I'm talking to? I'm just yeah. <laughs> surrounded by the Craig. It's like Craigslist. Well, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a Scottish show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Higginbottom, and he's just... He's become a real talismanic figure for part of exactly when they needed him as well. But he it, upped his game when he was needed. Yeah, it's great you mentioned that point, because that goes back to my, what I was saying earlier about the fact that he was so inconsistent at the start of the year. Because in that game, when he scored that incredible goal against Hibs, he was murdered. Yeah, yeah he gave the ball away constantly. He was absolutely murdered. And that was, that was until the last few months, that was kind of hanging bottom all over. Well, we'd just like to say, uh, well done to former Rangers player Chris Boyd on, uh, on winning <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, it wasn't like this last year, King. I remember we, 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 there was barely a Celtic player in it. I know, right? We uh, gave a reward to Josh McGuinness. And Neil Lennon was furious with us, of course. <laughs> yeah, we'll do this. This will be the last one. We'll take a wee break after this, but this will be our last one. This is a Discovery of the Year Award. Um, now, need to, need to qualify <laughs> Stipulations here are <laughs> yeah. massive Need to qualify this now Originally it was for the best young player Who before the start of the season Had played 10 matches Or fewer 10, ten or fewer matches Now pretty much because Craig wants to award, give the award to, to someone else. It's been 10 professional matches before the start of the season, which is very convenient because Andy Robertson had played about more than 40 games for Queen's Park as an, on an amateur contract. So he's In a not professional played, league. Yeah, so he's not played as a professional by that. So we'll look at the nominees. There's Andy Robertson and three other guys. There's Craig Slater, Sam Nicholson, Sam Stanton. Who cares about them? We'll talk about Andy Robertson. Craig Fowler, <laughs> on you go. Wax, wax lyrical, my man. Right, uh, in my defence, 
Uh, we set out the awards um, for to be voted on, and we said we set out the criteria. So obviously people knew they couldn't vote for Robertson, but we did have a few voters to send it back, given like voting for Stanton or I think it was Sean Kelly was bumped off the list. And but they did say like if if I can if you change it so I could vote for Robertson that's who I'm voting well, I for. I think I think the issue was this season, especially with more and more young players getting chances earlier and earlier in their career. There weren't actually that many players who hadn't played. Yeah, because guys are getting was, games at 17 yeah, and stuff. Yeah. We might change it for next year. We might bump it up or make it 10 starts. Under 20, yeah, under Gold, because Gold would have made it if it was 10 starts, but Gold had played, I think, about 15 games last season. Yeah, he, they not start the semi-final against Celtic yeah. and stuff. Like, he actually started a like, handful of games as well last year. Because he was harshly omitted as well, because I think he'd just gone over the criteria. But it, for me, changing it kept it in the spirit of the award, which was, it, which was just to try to stop it from being guys who, like, in the past, Sean Maloney received the award at the end of the age of 23. An under twenty one award, Craig. I know it's your ball. He was still take one, it? One, I think Andy Robertson probably still won an under twenty one award. Oh yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. I remember seeing the. I'd have voted for Andy Robertson for this. I saw him. Uh, I, I, I got a wee sauce for Queens Park, so I'd been to see them about uh, four or five times the season before. I remember the first time I saw him. I, I'm afraid I can't remember who it was, but seeing this guy who pretty much spent most of the match playing as a winger and thinking, "My God, who is this guy?" And the boys next were saying, ah, he's "Andy Robertson. He's quite a, a, a decent wee fullback on him." Um, and that's the same. Understand as a decent wee fullback, and the, mo- the more I went. To see them, the more you kind of appreciate how, how good a player he was. Um, just it was just any time uh, Queens Park had the ball, he would push all the way up the flank there. Just I mean, even if he wasn't getting the ball, stretching just stretching um, the defenders over to him to, to create space for others to go into. When he got his transfer to Dundee United, I thought it was in, uh, based on the season there, it was entirely merited. But I would never in a million years had had thought about the progress that he's made uh, over the no last twelve months. No it's not, it's not a chance. so unprecedented. It's it's insane. Like when you see a player, like you talk about, you see a player in the lower leagues, and like when I used to watch the kind of youth teams and stuff, and see how good these guys are. But then you kind of when you watch their progress and they go up to the higher level, and even for going for youth games to go into a, to a top flight match probably isn't even that much a bigger jump as Roberts has done this year. Um, but uh, you, you appreciate just how how kind of much bigger a level it is because things that like you watch them in youth games or watch them at Queen's Park, you notice their touch, you notice their speed, you notice their ability to get up and down the park, and then you, you're supposed to then decision see it. Making. Yeah, you're decision making, and you're supposed to see it at the top level, and you're supposed to say, "Oh, that stuff's not no longer as good. He's no longer above his peers. He's now just it's, kind of it's a, his goals and he's another player." But you know, he stood out. He's actually one of been one of the best players, and he's not he's not just come up and been okay. He's not just come up and fitted in, which we would have all been raving about as well. If he just yeah. came in and got a game for Dundee United, we'd all be like, "What a, what a season he's had! He's actually established himself in the Dundee United team. Played about twenty five games, outstanding." But you're saying when, when, when Dundee United wouldn't have made the cup final or had this good a season without him when United had that blip in the middle of the year United fans can identify the fact that Robertson wasn't getting up as much as one of the main problems why they weren't scoring goals yeah. and that was probably the best attacking team in the league almost yeah. that was someone who was at Queen's Park as well I mean you could see he, he, was that, he could defend as well You know, he read the game well so he yeah, came he's back a very un- even at top level he's a very underrated yeah, cause, I mean, it's obviously because when, when, a, when a fullback is scoring goals that's obviously because goals are obviously the most obvious facet of, uh, of someone's game 
even watching him at Queen's Park, I had no comprehension that he was that I was prowess in front of goal. I had no idea how many goals how he hard, scored five or six yeah, goals. He scored a goal against Kelly where he turned he popped up, I've said this a few times, he popped up on the right hand side of the penalty box from open play to score this goal from the edge of the box just like a striker. Yeah, like that's sort of like what Alves does yeah, for yeah, that's yeah, inside yeah. the box. That's where I was, shots. That's exactly who I was going to compare him to when he was playing for Sevilla, Danny Alves, the Sevilla president called him a whole team in one person and I think that's exactly what Andy Robertson is he's everywhere is there the any positive about this yeah, list yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say is there any the real positive thing about this list is that um, they're all young players obviously being the award that it is but how calm and composed all of them are when they get on the ball none of them seem to be panickers um, and they're on the whole they make really good decisions which is just normally something that doesn't quite end it's it shows that um, we are getting better. They're all Scottish. They're all uh, the, the club and the way we're producing players is so much further on than it was even even five years ago. If we whoever we give the credit to that for is up for debate, but it's fantastic. Like Craig Slater, such a calm, composed player. Sam Stanton um, has coped really well with a lot of pressure because uh, Hibs fans. Similar what happened to Harris. Uh, last season, just the fans because they don't have anyone else to cling to, cling to him. And yes, he's had some up and down moments uh, coming towards the end of the season when he was one of the few that didn't really go into hiding yesterday. I mean, he's more illustrious campaigners around him, like Liam Craig and stuff, were just popping up all around the pitch, not wanting to get involved in the game. Stan at least was trying to find space and pockets and do something. That's testament to him at 19 years old that he was willing to try and drag the nonsense into the Premiership to keep them in there. And all of them are, and Sam Nichols and Hearts, Craig, you speak about him all the time. You rate him higher than Jimmy Walker, Walker or Billy King. Billy King. Or, or David Smith. David Smith. But you, you rate him as the highest of all those young players. And for all of them to come through as a batch, it's, he must be good if you rate him, if you rate him that highly. I, just, so I, lo- I love what I've said it before. I love his decision making. I think, he, I think he shows a lot of maturity far beyond these years but Jamie Walker you would say doesn't no he, Jamie Walker is, is I'm on, cutting inside on, and I'm shooting on and off the park does not seem very mature <laughs> he's got bags of talent and I think in terms of in terms of pure talent I think Jamie Walker is the most talented player at hearts uh, in terms of just his football ability but he's, he's not as switched on as Nicholson and Nicholson has great skill as well great skill good pace Huddersfield. good crosser of the ball yeah, there's rumours coming from Huddersfield. It's a Huddersfield paper that's separated today that they're interested in. Yeah, it's a bit worrying that he's not signed a contract yet. He might, a, he might be away in And the Hibs summer. are very... Fun. Like Another thing, Hibs starting on a four-year deal is a huge bonus for Hibs going into the Championship next season because you would argue against Hibs in terms of attacking force, building the team around him. I, I certainly wouldn't be against that, but there's absolutely no doubt yeah. that the best player there is Andrew Robertson. So well done, Tandy Robertson. Probably uh, the, the only time somebody won a similar award to this is when Bell and Sebastian won Best Newcomer Award yeah. at the Brit Awards, <laughs> despite <laughs> having been three albums in. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks. We've just been in the toilet as all people do at parties, doing loads of cocaine. <laughs> um, we come back to, to part two, and we're going to look at the, the most overachieving manager, or as it's normally known, manager of the season. Mm. Is that right, Craig? Well, the reason for his name differently is because manager of the season, quite a lot, up until the last couple of years, has to be said, was given to the manager of the one league, which was, I thought was quite boring. Yeah, it was so, actually... So uh, we've kind of rejigged it slightly but well, it's, it's kind of doesn't make any sense now but once Reason and Celtic are back it'll make more sense yeah, I was actually disappointed not to see Neil Lennon's name on this list here but uh, I digress it's not my ball so I don't call the tune 
mixed metaphors there anyway <laughs> we'll move on um, so far we've got he can do no wrong it's Tommy Wright of St Johnston uh, little Jackie McNamara of Dundee United Derek McInnes of Aberdeen or Stuart McCall of Motherwell we'll start with you Craig Fowler um, between the four who would we pick you as your uh, overachiever of the season this is tough this one this is it the is hardest tough, isn't it? it is tough because I don't when I look at managers performances I don't really like rating a lot of managers who um who like can I just do well in the cups kind of thing because you often wonder how much kind of that's got to do it. I mean, it's obviously got off you got to have your tactics spot on in these kind of big games, but is that better than you know being more consistent over the space of thirty eight? And so, I'd, under that basis, I'd be inclined to pick somebody like Stuart McCall, for example, ahead of McInnes or Wright. However. It's it's very it's very hard not to call someone the biggest overachiever where you are literally the only manager to win a trophy in a club's 130 year history. Exactly. So for that reason, I think I'm going to have to go for Tommy Wright, and also the fact that they've also probably well they have overachieved in the league in terms of seasons past. And Johnson have finished in the top six, so maybe not in that way. But if you look at the kind of players, it with a cup run though. Yeah, but you look at the players that left in the summer. The fact that Steve McLean was was missing for so long. You, n- you didn't know what you were going to get from Stevie May. It's, it's easy to look at it now and say, yeah, you had Stevie May in your team. But the previous manager <coughs> didn't appear to rate him. We didn't know what we were getting from Stevie May. He scored goals in the Championship. So what? Mark Yardley scored goals in the Championship. Didn't make him a good top-flight player. Now and delivers for the Curry House down the road. Oh, does he? Yeah. I think he eats the ball, though. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not delivering for the Curry House anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just do the lives at your door, empty packets. <laughs> so, uh, Still chewing. Craig, Craig Anderson, um, would you agree with with Craig there? Yeah, in terms I, of Tommy Wright, I probably will. Um, I've I was looking at this around McNamara out, not because I don't rate him as a manager, which I do. I think they're still. To finish fifth that Dundee United team, I think, is just too. Uh, just, is about where you'd expect Dundee United to finish. The reason is, yeah, the reason is the way they the way they went about their business. They've got a really good, exciting team. There, there's so much. Andy pot- Robertson's quite good. Yeah, I've sort of heard um, there's so much potential in that side uh, going forward, and obviously they could have won the cup at the time we nominated this. They could have finished third, but they didn't. So let's not talk about things that didn't happen. Um, Stuart McCall finished second with a. Motherwell team yet again. I mean, over over a long term period, he's the biggest overachiever on this list. This season, as much as they did finish second, they only just finished second, and I don't think they were quite as impressive overall as a team as the previous year. And their cup, their cup form obviously was abysmal, which has has put me off. Though. Yeah, that's a kind of. Although I say you don't want to overrate the cups. Chris Jack, when he talked about the season, rated it as a kind of like a, a B minus from Motherwell, which sounds incredible when you, I mean you, you think it's an A. I mean nobody expected them really to take second again with the amount of changes they had to make, and obviously McCall deserves huge credit for that. But for a club like Motherwell, the fans know that it all comes in cycles. When you have periods of overachievement, and Motherwell fans know that they're not going to be in this position for very much longer. Uh, especially the kind of concern and noises being made about their their finances recently, you're going to yeah, expect. Change over yeah, you're going to expect they're going to maybe drop down uh, once again and be the model that I remember from my youth, the team that kind of battled against relegation most years. And the fans really were really unhappy about the fact that they didn't capitalise on having such a good team and such a strong squad, and they've not done it over these last three years. Yeah, yeah they're more silverware. Yeah, they've been in, they've been in Europe six of the last seven seasons, but I think they've only been in one cup final. 
yeah. and the fans really unhappy about that. And going out to Albion Rovers in the cup was just inexcusable, yeah. really. And yeah, the other one on the list, Derek McInnes. Um, I, well, what a job he's done in terms of turning round Aberdeen because they've been a laughing stock. They, they, they weren't in too different a position from Hibs at the start of this season or at the end of last season. They were. They finished similar in the league. They'd underachieved in previous seasons. They maybe weren't quite as extreme in terms of cup finals and so on. It's such huge embarrassing yeah. results. And yeah, stuff. yeah, but, yeah well, but they did get thumped from Sigma Olomouc in Europe, which was almost <laughs> as bad as Malmo. And they got yeah. humped off um, Celtic 9-0. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Celtic is still pretty embarrassing. They're in that position. Professional M- football. McInnes has come in. He's taken them to third. Won the League Cup. Okay, they were very fortunate in the final. It went down to penalties. It, it wasn't a classic performance in the final, but it got them there. They won the Cup. But at the same time, I look at where they finish in the table, which is third. And I think Aberdeen have probably got the third biggest budget in the league. I, I mean, if you look at it, only team I could see in the league that could have a bigger budget than them is Hibs. Um, and okay. But they choose not to use it. Yeah. Um, so, on and, and that basis, he's not overachieved in the league based on financial side. Yeah, whereas, I said he's almost achieved what he should have, what Aberdeen managers in the past yeah, should have and the fact that, One thing I would say, going on from that in, in McInnes' uh, defence is the fact that he has changed the culture at Aberdeen. Yeah, 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 yeah I, you can't rule that. Because Aberdeen, although they didn't reach the depths, they were hips yeah, they, before this season. And, and that's, I mean, that's a, a positive for him, but as Tony was, I think, alluding to, the fact that previous managers have been really bad doesn't make you an overachiever. It, make, it means they were underachievers. Yeah, um, I would argue that Pat Fenland did a decent job of changing the culture at Hibs while he was yeah. there, but he still wasn't able to put it together in uh, results, which McInnes has been able to do. And if we touch on the final one, Tommy Wright won the Scottish Cup for St Johnston. That's an overachievement. Just uh, You can look at history to see that's an overachievement. As much as we've said last week, they are a good team. He's finished sixth. They probably could have finished fifth or even fourth if they didn't have the cup finals to focus on. They, they chose to focus a lot of their attention on that towards the end. But even sixth is above where I think they would be budget-wise. They'd probably be sitting seventh or eighth. And they also had a run in the other cup, um, got to the semi-final. And they also had a, a, a run in Europe. They beat a good team and then they were very unfortunate. Their fans have had such great yeah, moments it's been, all I mean, season. Yeah, it's been... The, I think it would be fair to say, I don't think it would be would anyone would argue it's the greatest season in their history. And so the manager that brings them that has to be the one that's the chief. He was assistant manager the season before. Has he been manager he's anywhere else? He's only been manager in Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. No, he's never been manager. This is his first managerial job of a full-time professional club. Well, if that doesn't tell you that's an overachievement, then I think that, yeah. more than anything we've actually said, gives you the fact that it's the first time he's been the manager of a full-time professional football club and he's made them the greatest they've ever been. And he comes across really well as well. He, he comes really across does. a really he's a nice goalkeeper. guy. He shouldn't be a manager. So, but he is. So it's the, a unanimous... We can oh, it has to be. He won the Scottish yes. Cup. Yeah, so that's, uh, Tommy Wright is our most overachieving manager of the season. Um, we'll go to the most improved player. Your dad once said he couldn't trap a bag of cement and now he's throwing woo like it's nobody's business. The four people unless we've got all's well that cars well for Motherwell Stewart, May Day for St Johnson Stevie, um, Peter Pollock, couldn't think of anyone for that, and, <laughs> and good as gold for Dundee United's Ryan. So uh, we'll start with you. So we'll start with you, Tony. If you can uh, look at one of the young guys in the shortlist there, who would you say has, who's improved over the last 12 months? I think in the spirit of this award, which what we were alluding to earlier when we were giving out awards, I'm going to go for Peter Pollock for that because he's been around for so long. He's certainly not really a young player anymore. He's played for a couple of clubs in, in Scotland. 
he's changed position this season. He's finally found a manager who sort of maybe got him, understood him, was able to put it all together for him. And I really just didn't see it coming with Peter Pollitt. I was never overly impressed with him. I always thought, you're everything that I hate about wingers. Uh, Peter Pollitt is it. Yes, you've got pace and you've got a, you've got you've got a little trick up your sleeve now and again. Your crossing's pathetic half the time though, which is just so normal of a winger in a country um, where you don't have a lot of money to bring in these sort of a lot of times maverick you make decisions as well. Run yeah. down run down cul de sacs, yeah, um, blind alleys, like uh, Ivan Smith fall over yeah. when he realised he was in trouble. Yeah, stuff and, like, get, and get and get Dundee relegated. That was, I, <laughs> that was another thing is that he was a cloud. He was, starting, uh, he was starting to build a reputation for all the wrong reasons and you were coupling that with him not being that great. You were thinking, this guy, this, there's what's to like about you. And now all of a sudden, uh, without um, Aberdeen, who knows what they would have done? Because the whole thing was built on solid defensive work for Aberdeen. I remember you gave me a stat a few weeks ago, Craig, I'm sure everyone knows that I'll be talking to Craig Anderson now, uh, that they only scored uh, 20 goals at Pataudry all season. Yeah. And how many of those, obviously I don't have at the top of my head, but you've got to imagine he was a main reason behind quite a lot of those goals, be it through starting a move and going through those gears that you have, or putting the ball in the net, or making that final incisive pass. Stevie May, we don't know how much he's improved, it's really the first time we've seen him at the level that he's playing at, but he's had the gradual build-up going out alone at the lower leagues, Making it up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's send out these awards next year. I'm going to kind of put a caveat beside this one and say another one. Try another and, don't. Try and give it to somebody who we've seen enough to, to know they'll be poor. I know yeah. fair enough. Ryan Gold and Stevie May have made such I, incredible jumps for young players, but young players are supposed to kind of develop anyway. Maybe not to that extent. But I was expecting more guys, kind of like David Witherspoon, to be Jamie McDonald. You mentioned earlier to be kind of guys who could have been in this award. Guys who last season. Played a lot of games and weren't very good. So yeah, the guys, to be honest, I mean, ahead of guys like Stevie May and Ryan Gold, I'm actually surprised that, that Willerspoon hasn't been included in this list because it, it's just somebody who was completely suckered by the Malaise at Hibs, yeah. who kind of obviously who, who had the talent, but just for, I don't know what reason his confidence looked shot. He just everything he did seemed yeah, to be just, wrong. Everything that you can see now with Harris is happening at Easter Road. Yeah, now, like you saw with Willerspoon. Moved on to a new club with a manager who looks like a good guy. And it just really seems to have brought the brought, brought the best out. He's given him some freedom. He just plays across the. He, he plays out wide, but he gets the license to go in behind. They just get Motherspoon just gets the ability just to go and link up with players now. Be it whoever it is, be it McLean or whoever. But he's not on the list once again. Ryan Gold. Um, I mean, we dedicated an entire um, special show that we put on the website, and so that says everything you need to know about how good he was. But we, don't know, we don't know if he's improved because he could have been that good last year, but he wasn't playing. I, exactly. For me, I mean, I, I, I nominated Paula as far as I remember. Um, I, I don't, I don't get the inclusion, especially me and Gold. I, I can see with Carlswell because I think even before this season, I thought he was maybe one of these young guys that would never be more than on the periphery at Muller and would end up playing in the championship. Safety, safety, safety. But now, yeah, so I but think now, he still played 24 games yeah, last year. Yeah, I think he's, he's now, I think next season he'll, he'll probably be a first team starter. I imagine he looks like he's, he's kind of nailed that down. It'd be interesting to see Carswell's ha- development I'm going ha- into next season. Happy as well. enough to see him there, but I mean, Peter Paul, everything you said, Tony, is, is, is correct about him. He's, he's turned himself from a kind of ineffectual winger into a, a driving midfield player who the team is built around who's the driving force it reminds me of Craig Bryson when he played with Kelly he's got the energy he's got the ability he's got everything and, he, and he's been quite rightly awarded, uh, rewarded he's going to 
presumably make his Scotland debut in midweek. He's certainly in the squad for the, the Nigeria game, which I think is, is thoroughly deserved for the season he's had. So yeah, I'm voting for him. Craig, uh, any dissent there? Any fancy going for Yeah, just, just, to add, no, just to add on to what the guys have said, I was at the uh, St. Johnson, or the Aberdeen St. Johnson game, the recent league match where it was one each, and Tommy Wright said afterwards that he, the, their game plan was around denying space to Pollock. And if you think about it, they've got guys like, they've got Adam Rooney and Niall McGinn, and everybody's raved about how good Will Flood's been this season. But that was their number one focus. They started with two defensive midfielders for well, guys they put in the position and uh, James Dunn and Chris Miller and they stayed back and that was their job, deny Paul at space and that's kind of what's become of Aberdeen towards the end of the season. Everybody started doing that because they recognised that Paul was the player that really makes him tick and you would never have imagined that. If, you, if you'd said that, if Paul the player that makes Aberdeen tick last year, you would say, well, Aberdeen are getting relegated. Yeah, or Paul the player that makes one of the top three clubs in the country tick. Yeah, no, it just, it just it would have been, no, been ridiculous. So, uh, well done to Peter Paul. You're the, the most improved player I'll on... Keep the Aberdeen fans of our because I bet they went tetchy about not getting any awards this year. No, I... Uh, I was actually disappointed not to see any Celtic players on that list either, but we move on. <laughs> now it's time to move on to the, the final individual award. Uh, sometimes the most prestigious Prestigious Most prestigious Solid. awards. Sometimes it's called Player of the Season, but because Craig Fowler likes American things like pretzels, <laughs> basketball, and Dr. Pepper. I actually really called, hate two of those things. And, <laughs> and execution. <laughs> it's called the most valuable award. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Craig Fowler, big fan of capital punishment. But no, this one's, uh, this one's the most valuable player award, and as it says in the tent, it's for the player who's been the best in the league this season. Um, the four players are Richie Foran of Inverness. It's not, it's not necessarily the best oh, no, player. It's, the, the most it's, valuable most, it's, it's exactly how you say the word, it's the most valuable. Right, okay, I, I've... I've uh, you need to watch more basketball. I've, 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 I wouldn't... <laughs> yeah. How do you celebrate if some if the thing that happens during the game happens constantly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't be arsed. I'm going to get As most valuable player is in the most important to their team. Okay, so uh, ignore my previous instruction. Craig Fowler does still like American things, but ignore the stuff that came afterwards. Yeah, I don't like pretzel or Dr Pepper. But, but you are in favour of capital punishment. <laughs> no, for, for murder and treason and drama from Sports for America. <laughs> Um, okay, the first player is uh, Richie Foran of Inverness, Stevie May of St Johnson, Chris Boyd of Kilmarnock, and Chris Commons of Celtic. We'll start with you, Tony. Between those four, who do you think has been most important to their team? I find this one so difficult to the point as I don't know if I've decided yet, and I'm meant to say it now. This, this one is um, absolutely because Richie Foran, especially under. Under Butcher, well, have you got? I've got some statistics which I thought because. Well, thank you. Go for uh, it. Well, maybe, maybe it'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe it'll help. Um, yeah, so I was basically looking at. I thought the 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 point of this award is take that player out of the team. What are you left with? Yeah. Not take that player out of the team and now they have to play with ten men. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, a goalkeeper would be the most valuable player for every club. But um, yeah, what if? If that's who you're working with and you have to take he's out injured for the season and you have to bring in a reserve player, what are you left with? So I was looking three of them are strikers, so they're quite easy to compare in terms of that um May Boyd and Commons. In terms of scoring the first goal of a match, Chris Commons done it eleven times, Stevie May ten times, and Chris Boyd seven. Obviously you have to take into equation the level of the Player. The club that they're playing. Yeah. The, in terms of scoring the winning goal in a match, Chris Boyd did it five times and May and Commons did it four times each. And then and Boyd also managed two equalisers. Uh, Chris Commons only managed one 
and Stevie made never because they were never buying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. And Stevie May didn't do it at all. Um, didn't score a single equaliser. Oh. Um, oh, I didn't. And sorry, this was this was a league matches. Yeah. Sorry, and then also the percentage of their team's goals. Um, Chris Boyle got forty nine percent of Kelly's goals. Stevie may get forty two percent of St Johnston's league goals, and Commons was only sitting at twenty six percent, which is still really high for Celtic. It's still high for yeah. Celtic, and also Commons. He was the top scorer in the league, but he did score five penalties. If the penalties were removed, he scored the same number of goals as Chris Boyd. Stevie may scored 20 times, but four of them are penalties, so he's got 16 goals. The other player to throw in is Richie Foran. It didn't, obviously, that none of that applies to him. It was John Maxwell who nominated him, I believe, yeah. and he was talking about how good they were with and without in terms of their record, so I've got that. This is for all competitions, just to be inconsistent, because it was the easiest way to get the numbers. With them, 28 games, 15 wins, 5 draws, 8 defeats. Without them... 18 games, 4 wins, 8 draws and 6 defeats. So there's, another, there's another caveat there though. Yeah. I suppose it's two clowns that were bad. Yeah, and the, the timing theory. of the times he was Yeah, he was, he was, fit, he was fit through Butcher's term until the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult. But that's 54% win percentage going to 22 without him. And 29% defeats is up to 33. That's not changed too much, but they've drew a lot more games. To, to be honest, I, I, in, in terms of most valuable player, I, going back to a point you made earlier about Chris Boyd, my, my personal nomination would be to Chris Boyd because if it wasn't for him, Kilmarnock, a good chance Kilmarnock wouldn't be in the division. You probably wouldn't have said that for, for uh, Inverness and Johnson or Celtic. These teams wouldn't have been... Oh, yeah, uh, fine, you could take Chris Commons out of that Celtic team. They still have won the league yeah, comfortably. But just in terms of somebody being... You don't want to use the word, as you say, you don't want to be using the word one-man team because Kilmarnock have got more facets to their game than that. But somebody who is completely central to their team you could, where you can pinpoint and say, if it wasn't for X, why would have happened then I'd, I'd go for Chris Boyd in that instance. The other thing, there is a bit that they was so built around that if you take Boyd at the team, yeah, it's, it is pretty easy enough to say they would have been relegated. But at the same time, you do wonder if Johnson was forced into building a team that wasn't... Because that's what you said about him earlier on being... A, it wasn't a vortex because you don't think... Like almost lazy. But, yeah, Johnson was almost lazy. He had this guy he could pump the ball to. And, and that was the thing. That was the, that was the more impressive thing, I think, about Boyd this season. That's not his game. His game is not... A target man, and yet he was used as one. And he Played off a target and, yeah, man, really well. And he still scored all those goals. But I mean, I'm I'm going to vote for Boyd um, again. I'm probably fairly biased in this one. Um, but I think, when what I've said, he scored more winning goals despite playing for the worst team. And again, maybe that's unfair to Commons because very team, valuable though it is. But uh, but for example, when I'm talking about winning goals, Chris Commons scored a hat trick against Kelly in a three 0 win, and I included that as a winning goal. He got three three winning goals. If you took out the goals that he scored though in those games, they tended still to have won them. Yeah, if you, I, I like to get if I look at when Butcher was manager, I look at um, Foran is central to everything, the direct way that they played, and also being like almost the manager on the pitch. I would say you were so you alluded to similar with Boyd earlier, yeah, of yeah. almost being like the manager on the pitch, someone that the all players looked to. And I imagine Foran was really like that, especially. During Butcher's reign, without him, it wouldn't have worked. You've seen, you've actually seen what happens when you don't have the player like Foran in a team and playing Butcher style of play. It's horrendous without a guy like that, and that's why he chopped and changed trying to find the guy who could do that role for him. Commons, another one though, is that it shows really how good he's become. Uh, it was Jamie Borthwick a few weeks ago. I remember that uh, on the podcast when you were doing the best attackers. 
he was saying, which is a fantastic show, by the way. If you're not listening, I would definitely listen to that one. That the Celtic have built their entire team around him, and that's a team that don't really need to build their entire team around one player. They've got enough in their arsenal to do whatever they like and build it around the whole, the entire team. He plays in that number ten role, but does so many different types of number ten. It's he's just uh, incredibly multi-talented player. Chris Commons. I think you put it in a blog you wrote, Craig, like he's like the linebacker, again, going back to the American sports. Sorry, I do this to you, actually. Proving Craig Telford completely right here. Wide receiver, quarterback. Uh, I said he was a wide receiver, running back, and quarterback all in one position. Positions, I'm sure we can all relate yeah. to. <laughs> he's a, he, he reminds me of, uh, I'm sorry to heart back to Hibs, it's just the easiest way for me to make things relative to me, of what how important Darren Jackson was when we didn't get relegated and we won in the playoff. He almost played centre midfield, out wide, and it was like he was... Dinking the ball out wide, and then he would run over, cross it, and then like he would run over, and like the Bugs Bunny car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Commons is like that, and he's surrounded by so many top players, and he, I would argue, has made Stoke so much better this season, and that's how valuable he is. But mm. I find that this, the style of this award, actually rules out old firm players. It, it's almost, it's, this is the closest that an old firm player is probably going to come to getting to, to getting this yeah. because. And it's just, I think, although we say it's not for the best player, I think that still has to come into it, because if you are the best player in the league, you, you, are, you are so... I think it's You are so important to every single match. Uh, if you're you the one player that they want to stop more than anybody else, you impact every single game mm-hmm. in a way that other players can't. However, I still wouldn't vote for Commons. If you look back a decade and you had a season where Rangers and Celtic were duking it out for the title and Henry Larson scores 50 goals for Celtic yeah, he's yeah. 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 the yeah. most valuable player yeah, Commons is missing out, yeah, he's, missing out because he's, he's playing in a league where There's no I, direct could, I could probably replace Chris Commons in that team and Celtic would still win the league yeah, they probably would actually. <laughs> I, probably, I would probably score about two goals. You basically could sit like win the league if they had to play every game with ten so, men. Okay, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. Can we? Can we get? Can we ask for 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 who you choose? Oh God, um, it's so tough between. For me, it's come down to me and Boyd. And yeah, because now you can look at it, would St Johnson have won the Scottish no, Cup? I know they would, not, Stephen they would not have came back in that semi final. They didn't have. He was poor in the final. I thought he was very poor in the final, but they would not have came back in that semi-final without him. He's, he's so you big, say, though, so what's more important, though, staying in the division or winning a cup? Winning the cup. Winning the cup? Uh, I don't c- know, because Kilmarnock, I know they've managed to get all their finances in check now, but Kilmarnock's... Um, oh, I'm sorry for doing this, Mr Telford, but their attendances are so low, and if you were to cut 500 off that, then going into the championship, they could be there for such a long time with massive overhead running a really big stadium... Uh, without any TV money coming in, especially if Rangers left the league, and you could see Kilmarnock being down there for long enough that they almost became a lower league football club. So Boyd maybe winning, staying in the league for Kilmarnock maybe is bigger than St Johnston winning Scottish. This, this is so difficult. It's very opinion based. Another, I mean, what's more important than another yeah, thing? And another thing as well for the just to talk about me is that he done the, the kind of Boyd role for a few, for a few months, for about four months. And he done it for the majority of that without Murray Davidson as well, who's then kind of brought in to, to kind of lighten the load after Stephen McLean was injured. And although St Johnson weren't at their best, they were still consolidated in sixth place for a lot of that time. And they were definitely not a team that was to going be fair, down. Though, they were being chased by a lot of teams who Aye, were, 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 were,
Stevie May at that team and McLean misses five months. Who's the forward? Yeah. Rory Fallon. Nigel Hasselbank. There you go. In fact, if Stevie May didn't exist, Rory Fallon would have stayed there all year and played about 30 games. So you're saying Stevie May? I'm saying Stevie May. Because of how bad Rory Fallon is. Because Robbie Muirhead's better than Rory Fallon. (laughs) So we've got got, uh, Chris Boyd, Stevie May. Deciding vote. I'm going to go Chris Collins. No, I'm going to go for Chris Boyd. Because he just... um, it's so similar to what Lee Griffiths done last year that without him it's, you're done. So it's again well done to the former Rangers player Chris Boyd and winning his second award of the evening now and thanks for sticking with us we're at the final furlong there is a light at the end of the tunnel this is kind of like the last scene of the Shawshank Redemption we're going for our team of the year. <laughs> we, what, we crawled through a river of shit to get here. Well, you might say that, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> After the weekend I have, I do feel like I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to go for, going to go for our the team. season. We're, <laughs> both <in jail. laughs> we're going to go for our team of the year. And we've, uh, the Craig, Craig and, and Tony have uh, put together a, a, a team. They've, they've discussed it amongst themselves. Um, the team's lining up in a, a 4-4-2 formation. And the caveat is, you've had to pick one player from each and a manager of course one player and a manager from each of the 12 clubs in the, the Premiership we'll start with the goalkeeper Tony well we went for Ben Williams definitely not the best goalkeeper in the league this no, season he has we've made, had to pick a Hibs player yeah but essentially we've had to pick a Hibs player and the only other players that maybe could have Paul Hanlon maybe could have got involved Lewis Stevenson or Sam Starr and anybody else even to be mentioned would be sickening in any sort of award or team of the no, year scenario. But, but Ben Williams, what, 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 why, why, what means ben, ben Williams a good well, goalkeeper? He's a, he's, a, he's a leader, which is unusual for a goalkeeper straight away. Uh, I mentioned when we done the top two of goalkeepers last year that um, he's capable of being a match winner. And in Scottish football, yes, he does have his weaknesses coming for crossing the command of his box. Even I would argue towards the end of the season that's got better. Uh, that That is his weaknesses, but he makes some astounding... He's so good at getting low down... For headers and low shots, which is the most difficult skill, I would argue, for a goalkeeper is saving low shots. He does it consistently. You only have to look back uh, two weeks ago when he made the save for Chris Boyd in the playoff, which would have confirmed Hibbs being in that playoff position at the time. The low header back across his goal. Williams down there. He's worth a good... Yeah, he might cost you three points here or there, or he might cost you a point here or there. But on the whole, when especially when he went through the penalty saving thing, which... Unfortunately, deserted them yesterday. Um, <laughs> he um, he just he won us probably ten or twelve points, and there's not many goalkeepers you can say that for. The only one I can really remember who was good for fifteen points was Craig Gordon. And, and go back to the going back to the point about Derek McInnes earlier on. Uh, ben Williams changed the culture. Hibs goalies were shit. Yeah, that's, that's that's a a exactly. Point. Yeah, and he did. And people, he's not the greatest goalkeeper in the world. And sometimes Joel always uses the example of that's why he was so highly rated. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bit unfair. And I've always tried to say, when we do goalkeepers in Scotland, they will have weaknesses. Because top goalkeepers with no weaknesses are hard to find for any club around the world because it's such a specialist position. So I would say Ben Williams, basically because in terms of looking at Hibs players, he didn't really let anyone down. And not many of them can say that, can they? That's a fair point. Uh, Craig, at right back, we've gone for Callum Patterson from Hart Midlothian. Talk us through him. I think it's, if we've got to pick a Hearts player, it's either McDonald. Oh, Parson is really the only one. Parson, we talked to him earlier, we didn't say he was a very good forward, but he he done his job there in some games. He, he, and it's when you're playing at a position and you're a young laddie as well, I mean, you have to. It was an admirable job, if not a really good one. And in terms of him at right back, 
looking forward as a Hearts fan, you have to be very excited by his abilities and hope that the club can keep him on as long as they can. Because his final ball may be lacking, but other than that, he's got all the tools to be a, a really top class fullback. You can definitely improve on your delivery. That's yeah. something you can definitely improve. I think on. I think he's one of the best right backs in the country. I know it's a position there, maybe not that many, but I think even. Already, he's going to be playing the championship next season, but there will be a lot of players in the league above him that will not be as good as him. Yeah, in terms of his, his physical attributes, it's kind of more than anything else. He, he's very quick and incredibly strong for somebody who's still a teenager. Yeah, and he's um, got good, good physique, hasn't he? Got oh, big, he's, he's huge. When he plays the under-19 game, he just looks... He's massive compared to everybody else he's playing against. See, Pat? If he gets bigger, I, I don't know I don't know how it's possible. I don't think <laughs> he can get bigger. Especially if you have to get all these clothes from... Giacomo, won't he? Um, I don't know why you looked at me when you said that. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm carrying a bit of timber just now, but... Um, don't know, they do the small sides as well, that's the whole thing. It's, uh, from so you've been to them? I, well, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Only for pants, Craig, you know. <laughs> well, God forbid if I ever have to shop at Giacomo. Uh, on the left flank, at left back, we've uh, gone for Graham Shinney, a player who we've uh, discussed in the show. Craig, um, yeah, the um, position. Yeah, he's a very good left-back. He's one of the better left-backs in the country. A guy who is unfortunate, possibly, that Andrew Robertson has emerged uh, this season. Otherwise, he would probably be getting tipped for more Scotland squads and things like that. But you look at it and you've got Robertson and uh, Mulgrew in a squad and then also Craig Forsyth who called in. That's the only reason And Lee Wallace at Rangers. And Lee Wallace, of course. We had to get that gratuitous mention in. Yeah, he's... yeah, he's just an excellent player, Shinny, one of one of the better players in the league, and I don't think we need to say much more. Inverness, no. they didn't have that many other candidates. I suggested Dean Brill as well, just because he'd kept a lot of clean sheets, but he also conceded quite a few goals. And Mackay had a good half-season, and then a poor half-season. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fair enough. Centre-back, or two centre-backs are Ross County's Jan Sonogo and Aberdeen's Mark Reynolds. Craig Fowler. Talk us through the pair of them. If only Joel was here. I know, hey, Joel loves uh, yeah, really does. Songo. Um, and Despite never seeing him, that was my favourite one. Uh, I've not seen much of him, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Songo, he was just such a good player when he came in. In terms of their signings, and God knows they made a lot of them this season, there is no doubt that Songo is the best player at the entire lot of Ross County. And certainly they're our most talented player over the course of the season. I don't know whether you want to call him the best player because he's only been there since January, but Ross County have been that poor that you, you could probably go ahead and say that as well. Strong, quick, and incredible at attacking the ball. Good passer of the ball as well, actually. He, yeah, he scored. He's just, a, just an all-round kind of good player. Where are you finding them, Adams, all yeah, the time? And, uh, he just lives for the January transfer window there, Adams. He loves it. I'd actually be... I mean, he's from Blackburn. I'd be surprised if he doesn't go back there and at least try... To make himself a first team player down there, no, it's like obviously. Jordan Sleuth. Yeah, I know. That. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he cost a million pounds. Do you know that? Astonishing. Yes. Well, what, about, what about Mark Reynolds? There's somebody, there's somebody who you could have put in your most improved player as well because his rise to the top, uh, particularly over the last season, he's he's had a fantastic twelve months. Uh, well, yes, uh, he has improved, but uh, he's only improved I, I, to what I, we all expected. Yeah, him to I've be. always I've always thought Mark Reynolds was a Fair really point. good player when he was at Motherwell, and I always think he's been quite harshly done in his career in terms of the fact he's not that physically imposing a centre-half, but he reads the game well. I don't think he's especially bad at that. I just think people look at his physique. I mean, for a centre-back, he, he's not particularly muscular. He's only about six foot, I think. And I think yeah, people write him he, off because of that. Brad Mackay isn't the most imposing of players, though, either. 
But how's Brad McKay? The only, the only Brad McKay. He's Chewbacca. That's a, <laughs> that's a joke of them. <laughs> Matt Reynolds is another one who sort of suffers from the British mentality of a central defender. Yeah. Again, if he lived in, if he played his football in a different country, I don't think it would be as much of an issue to and, pundits and Yeah, well, he like, may not be the most, the strongest of centre-halves. And, and again, the, I'd say, I don't think he's especially bad in that department. He's one of the quickest. Yes, yeah. yes. He yeah. is really quick and he's very composed in the football and he, he somebody reads the game. You don't see Mark Reynolds making a lot of last ditch tackles, ditch tackles, <laughs> ditch tackles because you, you don't need painful. it. He's, he's not that. He's not that type of player. Somebody reads it. Somebody stays on his feet, and that's exactly what you want in your centre half. Oh, really I can't bad. believe it's taken so long for Gordon Strachan to put him in the Scotland squad. And yeah, to the point that we were discussing, uh, like all fairness, when we were chatting, that it was an issue between. The two of them over the years, maybe something's happened because he. No, never I just seemed, think he just he's, never wanted to call him in. I no, he's just he's, he's not the first I manager, think, and he won't be the last. He doesn't rate Reynolds. I think I think he likes a particular style of defender, and I don't know that Reynolds fits into that. But he's given him the chance, and hopefully, he gets some minutes. He can get. A I, think goal, be, he, I think this will be. I think this will be. It's only a I just think know, he doesn't rate. Him. No, but you never know. Like if he gets to see him up close, but I think personal that he maybe. I think he changes. Well, opinion, he's so. changed his mind on a few players already. I think I reckon there was a few who he's kind of not really fancied, and then he's brought them in and they've done a job for him and he suddenly yeah. went okay. He's quite clever striking it, never uh, talking about players in a negative way publicly. He sort of gives himself that breathing space where he mentioned it. But he's a fantastic player, Reynolds, and I think um, as much as Pollock, as we're talking about, is so important, on the flip side, the reason Aberdeen have been have conceded so little goals, which is what their whole season's been based on, really, you've got to argue that Reynolds is the main reason for that. Excellent. Moving moving into the midfield, um, our sort of our, our anchor man, our sort of screening midfielder is St Mirren's John McGinn. We've kind of spoken at length about uh, John McGinn. Yeah. There's no need to cover old ground. Um, on the flanks, uh, on the right, we've gone for Motherwell's Lionel Ainsworth, Craig Fowler. Oh, great player, brilliant. Player you love to watch. Is he the best? Was it the best white player you gave him? Or yes, yes. Craig agreed with me. I, do, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, yes, he's been absolutely fabulous this season. He's just. His pace, he's just, he's a very kind of, um, there's not really much to his game, but he's just great to watch. He's a great blend of pace, direct play, and incredible shooting ability. Yeah, he's got technique though as well, yeah. which I think is a lot of quick players don't bother with technique because they feel like they don't need it, but he he can strike a ball well, as, as we've said. He but he's quick, also, quick with the ball. Yeah, but he also, well. he passes it quite well. He, he's not like, yeah, and he's, he's crossing's fairly good as well. Uh, yeah, he's just he's just great, and he doesn't go up blind alleys. Double, as much double as figures in goals this season as well. Double figures in assists. It's just yeah, what a he's player. involved in so many of Motherwell's goals. Yeah, the only thing negative we can say about him is that defensively he's a bit he's very suspect. Actually, he doesn't work hard enough. But I think you made a great point before when you uh, Craig Fowler when you were talking about how out of all the players that have left Motherwell and all the ones he brought in, he's the only one who's he's replaced someone and he's probably much better yeah. than Chris Yeah, which Humphrey. is mental that Motherwell had that, went through that and somehow finished seven points higher this season than they did last, last year. Season. Doesn't Who make was? any sense. On the left, uh, Calm Higginbotham at Partick Thistle. We've spoken about, about him. Yeah, spoken yeah, about Higginbotham. Uh, and just behind the strikers, Chris Commons. Uh, who I think well, we well, we talked about him in terms of most valuable player and stuff, but I think we really kind of appreciated the kind of... The a reinvention as well, yeah, isn't it? From just sort of kind of a, a, a reasonably good uh, wide player to an actual out-and-out out, uh, number 10. Yeah, and he's got his locker to score goals from outside the box. He's always had that in his career, but this season especially, he's done it consistently while he's been at Celtic, apart for that one bad year. But the ability to arrive in the penalty and to arrive in space and to find tap the space in the penalty... The amount of tap he scored this year, he's, he's almost like... 
although he doesn't play like one, he's almost got the instincts of a number nine. That he could do that role. That he could just kind of stand up front and wait for the ball to drop in the box. One of those amazing players that seems to I love it actually when players get better wage. And then they sort of like have a renaissance in the later part of the year. He's always had a good career, relatively speaking. At any point in his career, if he came into Scottish football, you would argue he would have been good. But we don't think he ever would have been this good. And uh, his, his improvement, again, if we encompassed like just careers in the most improved, he could he could be in there as well. Because in England, they had some brilliant moments and brilliant seasons, but then he sort of became a laughing stock. And he took a big risk. Coming to Celtic, because if it went wrong there, he would have been on the scrap heap, essentially, or playing for someone for nowhere near uh, the guy's ability. And he seems to have really screwed the nut properly late on in his career. And now, and fortunately enough, we're all the ones who get to see him do it. Do you think, uh, is he back in the Scotland team? The, the nice. Scotland fold? No, he won't do it. Do you think, do you think um, missing out on someone like him? You think I don't know. I don't he's know. Always, he's, I've always he's, said this, he's always been poor for his Scotland. Heart's, his heart's not in it, but his heart's never been in it when he's played for Scotland and... In, okay, he's changed position a bit, but Scotland and his pos- the number ten. Scotland in his position, and we have a lot of talented players. I don't think he's, he's missed. You don't think he's fit enough, almost to play that role for Scotland. I think a lot more would be expected of him in terms of screening uh, teams coming out. I think, I think the pitch he wouldn't be able to do because he preserves energy really well for Celtic. He because he doesn't concentrate on the defensive side. He I gets think to only think about the attack. James, James Morrison, for example, is better than him as well. As much as Commons is good. Up front, um, one of the strikers is Chris Boyd. We've, we know how fantastic Chris Boyd, the former Rangers uh, striker, uh, <laughs> currently with Kilmarnock, Chris Boyd has. <laughs> and uh, alongside him, a representative from Dundee United, Nadia Chifchi. Do you think this is... We've kind of spoken about Chifchi, so I'm going to ask a different question here. Do you think he's, relatively speaking, he's more deserving of his place in the team of the year than someone like Andy Robertson or, or, or Ryan Gold, someone like that? More than Ryan Gold, I would more say. More than Ryan Gold. Uh, Andy Robertson or Andy Robertson is probably the only, I think, the only other one. You can maybe say Stuart Armstrong. Gary McKay Stephen had a really good year, but in terms of he's somebody, he's another player. I mean, that that most valuable player wasn't just wasn't just hard for the guys who picked. It was hard for the guys who were left out. Yeah. Billy McKay could easily been involved, mm-hmm. and Chifty could have been another one because it really all clicked together that whole United front four when he went up front in that game away at Ross County, and never really looked back since. And that just kind of. It was just so valuable to him. He made that whole thing work so much better because he was that type of player at the head of it, somebody who could easily switch out wide and swap positions with somebody else, drop deep, and the defenders didn't know what they were dealing with when United first done that, and they were scoring four or five goals every game. The odds in United to score like more than four goals in a game dropped to like some ridiculous like seven to one. I mean, what teams do that like normally once or twice a season? And, and and it seems like it was almost expected to be. I remember when they played game. Kelly in the cup in midweek, and everybody was like, "United are going to score four goals," and they did. Everybody's expected that. I yeah. mean, that is so hard to do. And he was he was a player that really kind of kicked that all off. He's just cracking at watch if he can do everything. And um, again, due to his mindset and maybe how his careers went at a young age is the reason that we've got him here. But enjoy him while he's here. He'll score a rocket for outside the box. He'll beat a couple of players and slip it past the goalie. He'll dink it over the goalie. He'll score headers. It's what you want from your forwards. You want them to be able to do everything. And we don't normally get that. Like, Boyd doesn't do quite as much of that. Boyd's a penalty box striker. He has added more to his game. But in terms of the types of goals he scores, he's never going to beat three players and rock at the top corner. I just, he's entertaining as any. And isn't that why we watch it? 
Absolutely. St. Johnson fans, say, how come we've not mentioned any of our players? Because we've chosen your manager. We've gone for Tommy Wright as our manager of the year. I don't think we need to go into Tommy Wright again. The reason I picked him when I was kind of suggesting my team is, while they've got some good players, I don't think they necessarily have a standout player beyond me, who you could say is a standout they were built around a team ethic and sort so of greater than some other parts you'd yeah, say yeah and so the manager's the one that makes them do that and so I think it's fair that he gets the recognition as much as any player for that um, and he would have a, he would have to do a good job I think with that team as much as uh, they're, they're brilliant players he, he's got a lot of uh, what you might call lazy uh, attacking players in that team if you're looking at Chiffy Commons uh, Higginbottom and Ainsworth but I reckon Tommy Wright would get something out of them and the fact John McGinn there with the energy of three men in midfield would probably do yeah, the job anyway. This is probably the best team we've put together in terms of the... Because we've been doing this for years when it was originally me and Alan. We we started this, I think, first done it for the, the glory years, 2009-10 season. Uh, so we did it for a while and this is by far the best team I can remember. I've looked at teams in the past and gone, we call, we're really calling that a team of the year. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm quite happy with all the players in this list. Yeah, it certainly looks a formidable outfit. Um, and kind of last of all, this is a sort of a bit more fun. Uh, not that that wasn't fun, I'd, 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 it was great banter. This is where we look at uh, our moment of the season and pick a favourite moment for whatever reason. Um, I'll kick things off. Uh, I wanted to pick something from the lower leagues, um, which I think of my own team, Stenhouse Muir. Couldn't really think of anything. We got I think a, I've got similar issues. Yeah, we got <laughs> a, a, a point. A point. My favourite moment of the season is when you picked Ross McMillan for the best twenty-five players in the lower leagues. I stand by that. Don't make me bring up your top twelve central defenders again, especially after yesterday. <laughs> it's been a fairly remarkable season uh, for Stenis Muirside. Looking in uh, League Two, I mean, it was a competitive season. Nothing really stood out there. But for me, the bit the best moment of the season was uh, Wraith Rovers Ramsden's Cup win. Yeah. Over uh, Rangers because I thought it was a it was a fantastic uh, it was just a fantastic story there. It wasn't a it wasn't a great game of football. I mean, the last Ramsden's Cup final Definitely. wasn't a great game of football either. But I think it was it was it was a very you could feel everyone sort of behind uh, Ray Throwers. Now I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like Rangers. That's just the way it is. But the fact that a proper underdog, something that could bring everyone together, and the way to do it as well it was a, a a brilliant goal uh, like the the big. McCulloch and Foster coming together yeah. and then John Bear just pounced on <laughs> <in> the rebound <laughs> and yeah it was, it was probably when, when I was watching the game on BBC Albert and I was out in my seat uh, jumping around uh, celebrating I, 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 was, I was thoroughly invested in the moment there yeah and also I, you had uh, Sean McGuigan's tweets after the game brilliant the whole of the season Sean McGuigan's swinging his t-shirt <laughs> over that's what I meant <laughs> but, but I, just, I just think that that was I mean as well it summed up what it is to be a fan of a, of a lower league team I mean the glory days don't come around very often they, they rarely come around at all and so when they do just it's good it's good that you're passing on some advice about being a lower league supporter to these two guys <laughs> yeah. embrace it and enjoy it um, Tony I can imagine for Hibernian there hasn't been much to much to shout about yeah but I would maybe part of me would maybe look at obviously you've got St Johnston winning the Scottish Cup that's obviously a fabulous moment but even this might sound strange because I'm his fan, but almost Hamilton coming up in the way that they did when they everything was stacked against them, the way that the whole playoffs I mean, are designed going into the Premier League, I, I, they shouldn't be able to do it. I'd or, say even going back right to the beginning of the season because Hamilton uh, never won. Favourites to be one of the favourites to go down for that. We league, wouldn't say they're favourites to go down, but never at any point. N- n- never at any in point. In terms of the full time teams, they were one of the favourites. 
to, to, yeah, I'd probably say so. But I mean, in terms, but in terms of the league as yeah. a whole, that you would never thought them to go down. But remember, I was actually looking back. There's a piece for the five things we learned from Telmy's Pelly. Sean McGuigan wrote it, um, and it was the first match against uh, the uh, Hamilton versus Wraith Rovers, and the Aki's won one nil. And at the end of the match, their fans had come out uh, shouting, "We're going to win the league! We're going to win the league!" You know that sort of. Obviously, there's a fairly irony yeah. to it, but who'd have thought that that um, that ten months later they would have they the one promotion? Unthinkable. Apparently, shoot out a bigger a big club, relatively speaking. That's a, that is a great that's a great point because it was it was exactly what you wanted for this kind of ha- to have legs was for there to be some sort of drama. If him, that's yeah. point, like the playoff that like, that was the point I was going to move on to. Yeah, to exactly I'm, what you're going to say there. It's just, after we've changed we've changed so much in Scottish football over the past year, and it's. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's, it's hard for me because it's my team that's became the butt of that. But the fact that we've no longer got that close shop in the Premier League, but it's so difficult to get in. Finally, well, it seems to be given a chance to do it, and they've went and done it. It's much easier that when you've been promoted. It's much easier. Sorry, when you've been relegated, at least it's much easier to get back as well. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a double chance. But as well, as you say, with the kind of the playoffs, it's good that they've, they've, all, they've immediately been proven to be worthwhile, because if Hibs had won 2-0 yesterday and won 4-0 in aggregate, folk would have been saying, oh, it's a point a waste of time, of the... and blah, blah, blah. But I think in terms of the moment, are you, did you have anything more to add? Sorry, I don't know. Well, no, no, in terms of the moment, like the fact that they scored a 93rd minute equaliser as well, in front of their small band of Hardy fans who are all going crazy, and then what it leads to as well, in terms of media and support, like people who enjoy Scottish football, for a lot of people, it'll be fun that Hibs have been relegated, whether I like that or not. It was fun when Hearts got when what happened at Rangers to a lot of people. We like seeing the mighty fall. Unfortunately for me, Hibs are considered the mighty, but they always fall. Poor balance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like and all the like the drama around it. Everyone standing outside. The coins getting thrown at the at the window, and people demanding pizza. Coins getting come. thrown at the terrace panelists. Yeah, <laughs> things like that happening. It just it was so much drama. They say I was did. I didn't think football would really do that to me because as I've got older, and I've, especially since I've done this podcast, I think I mentioned this to you. Craig Telfer, when we first started doing it, is that I look at Scottish football in such a more rounded way than probably what I used to. And I was able to, but I was dejected at the end of that game. I was really quite heartbroken. But, and, but I mean, and that sort of thing, I think with the advent of the playoffs, that, that's a good thing that, that there, there is so much invested now at the end of the season. I mean, imagine this season there, there had been no playoffs. The, the top of um, the, the championship would have been interesting because you had the, t- the three teams yeah, going yeah. for it right at the end. But what, what would have happened in, in the Premiership? Hearts, because yeah, of the point deduction, were always been, like less well, when to have gone. you got a season where. Oh, it'd be so tedious. Nothing. Yeah, I was trying thing, to make drama out of nothing on these podcasts. Ah, it would only be been Aberdeen Motherwell. That would have been the only thing to talk about. And even then, that's contrived that they're going to play a game in Europe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, ah, it's an extra game in Europe, and it's an extra two hundred fifty thousand pounds, and it's the old best of the rest tag. But it is nowhere near the importance of a, of a relegation. So there wouldn't really be much to talk about the last Maybe. what five weeks. Or the, only other, the only other things that More I could, that. the only other things I could think of out with the drama, the playoff stuff is that maybe um, Pollock's goal at Parkhead to make it two one that put Celtic at the Scottish Cup you're like Aberdeen, Celtic are they going to win are only going to win the league here and Aberdeen what are they going to go on and win the double and Rangers are only going to win so Aberdeen are going to win the most trophies this season obviously it didn't I think it, it was a great moment thinking right this this season's there's going to be different winners everywhere there was also there's loads of great moments with Celtic beating Carrigandy and with James, James Forrest, Forrest goal, yeah. goal. Do you look at Scotland Scotland 
absolutely outplayed Croatia at Hamden. Yeah, it was, it was a great, it was absolutely great feel to see. I mean, I couldn't even believe Scott, even Scotland playing at uh, Wembley and playing yeah, playing very intelligent well as football, well, playing yeah. you know. I think I think I was just going to say that I think there's been so many moments. I, I think it's been one of the most memorable seasons in a very I, long I time. I think it's been outstanding. Um, I think it'd be very remiss of us if we didn't mention. Jamie Hamill barging into Derek Adams. <laughs> I, think, I think we're all going to have to agree. Like that is the real moment. Of I, the I think if we were doing the funniest moment right. of the season, it's no oh, doubt uh, that two twats uh, looked like twats. I, I, <laughs> if, if I was picking it, obviously a personal one from a Kelly point of view, it would be. Uh, there's only two things that I was really positive about all season, which is obviously Chris Boyd's goal against Hibs and the euphoria of winning that game against Hibs, and the only other one was uh, winning four 0 at Tynecastle. Um, and Rory Again. McKenzie blasting one in the last minute and just you felt invincible at Tynecastle six, seven wins in a row I can't remember which it was which is a great feeling because it's normally a good but they feel yeah. so invincible and then of course like, we went pump 5-0 the next time <laughs> we went but, <laughs> but um, overall I think it has to be St Johnston um, personally I think you could say Albion Rovers beating um, beating Mullerwell and then beating beating Stenhouse Muir in the quarter the game to get into the quarterfinals and then they're getting so close at Ibrox and all that oh, was yeah, yeah, a massive a massive uh, story of the season Morton beating Celtic in the League Cup yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton beat, beat them 10-2 Hamilton beat Morton 10-2 that, I mean, that would have been the moment of the season if Dundee hadn't I even won. forgot about that if that the Barnett that would have been the moment of the century in Scottish football but St Johnston winning the cup the way they did it first win Stevie May scoring against Aberdeen that second goal in the the semi final then the the final itself being so such a great game yeah, I've, yeah, got, I've got a decided vote here. <sighs> I wonder what your. F- I think personally it might be Easter Road yesterday was where you had your. Uh, I mean, that the was. The biggest grin on your I mean, face, there's anyway. There's no vote here, there's no vote. It's <laughs> just that you can't have it because it's, it's so personal. What about. Subjective, uh, isn't jo- it? John Gemmell calling Ali, Ali McCoyst a prick on Twitter. <laughs> deleting the tweet then when Stenny played Ro- Rangers later that weekend, all. Uh, all Ro- Rowan Vine, uh, uh, Rowan Vine having a go at uh, Neil Lennon. <laughs> Lee Griffiths just played for Celtic but going, Ken, what, I'm a Hibs fan, I'm going to the game, I'm going to the pub, I'm going to sing songs. Just do what I like. As the Pie and Bovril Twitter account might say, so much for Armageddon. Great banter, lads. Yes. Great banter. <whistles> so long, farewell, Auf Wiedersehen, goodbye. I hate to leave. I've forgotten the words for that. It doesn't matter though, because this has been the final podcast of the season. Um, it's been a fantastic It'll take season. Them all summer to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fantastic season, and there's been loads of highs, uh, loads of lows, and we're hopeful. We're glad that you've been there to listen to us go on about it, and I sincerely hope that you're there to listen to us in 2014, 2015. My name's been Craig Telfer, and tonight I've joined by the man who welcomed me into his hairy bosom, Craig Fowler. Goodbye, and hope you enjoy the World Cup. The man whose brain will be kept in a jar when he passes over, whose <laughs> mind stats from, is Craig Anderson. Yeah, thanks again, I've enjoyed the season since I joined the podcast, and I'm looking forward to next year, and enjoy your summer. And Tony. Thanks. Um, yeah, same again, I've just, I love doing this, it's... Uh, Great stuff, and let's just keep looking at the website as well. It's not just the podcast. Listen to this. Keep looking at that website, though. There's so much 
material going up there. It's just ridiculous. Don't be as much over the next month, though. Yeah. No, I'm taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously not. And plus, there's no real any football. So we'll yeah. do some transfer blogs at the end. Yeah. And then yeah. let's so kick on. go on the web. Follow us at Twitter at Terrace Podcast. Go on to the website. That's terracepodcast.net. And if you're inclined to do so, send an email at show at terracepodcast. Our, our, our sister website. What's this the website? <laughs> Your own. The, the fantastic website. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're not related to anyone. Um, <laughs> but, but please. He's trying to distance himself. If you're inclined to do so, go on to tellhimhispelly.com. Everything you wanted to know about the lower leagues. And oh, more. which especially might, might get you a few more it's, list, it's, visitors next year, isn't the, it? Uh, it's the fin- the f- one of the finest websites in... Scottish football. I yes. can actually tell Craig that you're more disappointed about Hibs, Hearts and Rangers cluttering up your little world. Seriously, down there's there. a wee bit of me that wanted the Aki to just lose that shit. the fucking log jam. Who are these dicks coming <laughs> in my world? It's, oh my god, how are we going to cross? But anyway, open up your eyes, but most importantly, open up your ears and let in the terrace. Good night. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.